Retro nonsense in the house, y'all. Autobots, transform and roll out. No, I am your father. No! No, Joe! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Hello and welcome to the Retro Nonsense Podcast. I am Duke, and with me as always is my good friend Chris Roberts, and we are on episode 27, and it is early April, and uh, we've got a fun show lined up. I'm very excited about the main topic, but as always, we've got a couple things to go over first. Um, how you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. How, how are you good. doing? Good. I'm doing well. So you're, you're on spring break right now, right? Yeah, I am. It started uh, Friday after work. And, uh, like, on technically my first day off, like, you know, I would have worked today, but I didn't. Well, actually, that was yesterday. Second day off. Very good. How's the weather there in California? It's beautiful here in Maryland. You know what? It's not bad. Uh, It's a little little cold, but, I mean, it's perfect for me. But uh, some people might think they'd like it a little bit warmer. Um, It's 61 degrees right now, which to me is perfect, but... You know, teach their own kind of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, we haven't hit the humidity stages yet here in Maryland. It's nice and, you know, the weather's nice here. So I know you hate that Maryland humidity that you experienced when you it's, were here. <laughs> it's a little much, but um, I am sure like anything you get used to it. But uh, when you've grown up your whole life with very little to no humidity, um, it's, it's a little bit to get used to. I hear you. Well, we have uh, last month's Beat the Bandy Challenge was Marble Madness, and uh, that is over. And we have a new challenge for this month, and that is uh, we're going back to the Atari 2600 with uh, Kaboom, which uh, which is our first uh, paddle game since we've done, as far as I can remember, this uh, Beat the Bandy Challenge. So I think that's going to be a fun one to play, and it's a, you know basically a score challenge game, so it's perfect. Um, are you a fan of this uh, Activision classic on the Atari 2600? Oh yeah, it's good. I, I really think that was a game would have been a game that I could have really got into uh, when I was young. I mean, I can still get into it now, but it, it you know it's, it's pretty fun. Uh. Yeah, well, this is um. If I'm not mistaken, this is Eric, uh, the Mighty Q Dog's favorite Atari game. So <clears throat> I'm hoping that he plays along this month. And uh, on that note, I want to make a plea to our listeners to um, maybe get involved in this because it's a really fun challenge. And um, it, I, I think you'll be surprised at how fun it is to play these simple little games and to spend a month kind of focusing on uh, a little competitive game playing. And uh, so far, it's, it's essentially just been... Matt and I. So <laughs> I'm going to try to promote this a little bit more and try to drum up some more involvement um, just so it's not always just me and Matt playing against each other. So if uh, any listeners want to, you know, dive into one of these games, we'd really appreciate it and post your scores on our Discord server and make it a little more fun to play along with some other people as opposed to just a two-man challenge. So 
if it, no pressure, obviously, but if you guys you're are you're very willing... intimidating, Duke. You <laughs> yeah. uh, you set the bar so high, you take all the steam out of everybody quickly. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> uh, it feels like it. I remember one of the challenges I was doing pretty well, and you know I was just kind of getting my groove down, and you just kept like going up, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my fault that there's no uh, involvement. I think it's your fault. Maybe I'll maybe I'll apply a handicap or something like that. So we, <laughs> no, you, know. you got to go all right, but. <laughs> but anyway, if you're listening and you want to throw in kaboom, you can emulate it. It doesn't matter. But if you want to play along this month um, and try to post your score on the Discord and challenge Matt and myself, um, it could be fun. So give it a shot. It's partially been my fault because I have not been putting this out there on Twitter and stuff like that. So people maybe don't realize what the game of the month is until they listen to the podcast, which is halfway through the month sometimes. So I'll do a little better job maybe trying to promote people getting involved in playing the Beat the Bandy Challenge because I love it. I think it's great. Again, it gives me an opportunity to come out here. It kind of forces me to come out here in my room and focus on a game. Um, sometimes it's Atari, sometimes it's NES. Um, we've even played some more modern games. Uh, we played a Switch game a couple months ago. So it could be anything, but primarily it's retro game focused. But anyway, if you guys want to play along, that'd be fun. So um, that's that. And uh, the next thing on our agenda here is to talk about uh, Metroid Prime Remastered, which um, was released uh, a month or so ago. I know you picked it up, Chris, uh, physical edition, just like myself. Uh, How far have you gotten in it? Uh, not far. I played it a little bit one afternoon, and I haven't had a chance to get back to it. Uh, yeah. Work has been pretty brutal, and then um, I've been out of town for three days. So, gotcha. yeah, not yet. Is this a game you played uh, back in the day? I did. I, we talked a little bit about it, but I know you asked me that question to tell the audience. But um, I, uh, I got pretty far in it, probably about three quarters of the way, and I got stuck. And I couldn't figure, and I was really frustrated because I don't know how or why, and I didn't feel like I could get back. And, and I mean, that was a long time ago, and then something took over, work, something else, and I never went back to it. So I haven't, I haven't actually beaten it yet, but I remember I was enjoying it so much. Um, I, I have to admit, though, if I was choosing between, uh, you know, the 2D style and uh, the first-person style, I prefer the 2D, but... I do enjoy this game. It's, it's really fun. Yeah, I, I kind of have the same uh, sentiment. I, uh, you know, the, the original Metroid, especially, is near and dear to my heart, and I love Super Metroid and um, even the newer uh, Metro, uh, Samus Returns. Oh, no, I'm sorry, the Metroid Dread um, that came out on the Switch and Samus Returns was on the 3DS, the newer version of it, and there was uh, an original version of that on the Game Boy. But anyway, I do certainly love this. Uh, 2D side-scrolling Metroids, but I've forgotten how much I love this game. Um, I never beat it before either. Uh, I just beat it um, on the Switch. Uh, Same thing happened to me. I think I played it back on the GameCube, and that was a time in my life where I just could not focus on putting the time into these longer games, and I just kind of gave up on it as well. So this was my first full playthrough, and I enjoyed this immensely. It was so good. It's such a great game, gameplay-wise, um, atmosphere-wise. It's right up my alley with the sci-fi um, theme. And the, the remastered version is absolutely stunning. I mean, the lighting effects, and the, I don't know how they pulled this off on the Switch. There is zero stuttering, zero frame issues. 
it is it runs smooth from start to finish and it is just it was such a fun game in fact i just put it on twitter that i i went back and beat it a second time i collected some more items because you get a different ending uh, comp uh depending on how far along you get you know percentage wise so i collected some more items and beat it again and got a different ending it essentially just takes your helmet off and I think if you get 100%, she must take her whole suit off or something like that. I'm not 100% sure. Do you sure, think but... in this day and age they're going to strip down to the bikini again? <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. But she might be in the zero suit or something like that. I'm not really sure. I didn't like look it up or anything. But I just wanted to at least maybe get a second ending, which I did. And I was it was very fun to go back and beat it again. But, I mean, it's just one of those games where you just can explore the levels and just look around and admire the atmosphere and the um, environments it is just a fantastic game so i can't say enough how much i enjoy playing through this remastered version of uh, metroid prime i hope they do the other two as well uh, metroid prime 2 and 3 i don't remember liking those as much as the original but i'd, I'd still get them and play them if they're if they're remastered to this degree because I, I really thought it was just beautiful so just wanted to mention that and um I'm sure maybe next month when we record, you'll have uh, played it a little bit more. And that is the goal. I, I have a little <laughs> bit of time off. Um, I, I've been kind of, I was, before I put it on, I was, I got back into playing GTA uh, 5. So, or, ah. yeah, yeah, I guess it's 5. I, yeah, it was 5. So I was kind of like in that mode. So I drug myself to that and I'm probably going to do a little more GTA five this week, but I, uh, my goal is to get back into Metroid and, um, get some progress. Cause I was, you know, I didn't really get a lot done. I did the first little section and then I was at the new planet and you know, <clears throat> I got to get moving. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned a couple of times, I, I play one game at a time. So I'm glad I got this one out of the way because I'm going to focus on Kaboom this month for the Beat the Bandy Challenge, and then we got the new Breath of the Wild game coming out um, next month, right? In May? Yeah, and I mean, that's actually, uh, I don't care what I'm playing. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna knock it off. Uh, you know, and I saw, yes, uh, so. I saw uh, you know, a friend of the show, or at least a friend of mine, uh, John Riggs, he had mentioned that he wasn't a fan of um, the, the Breath of the Wild mechanics, the you know, forging and, uh, I don't know, he didn't mention the broken weapons or anything, but I guess the making the food and all that, he didn't like that. Um, I don't know. I kind of like it. I mean, it, I know uh, it's not a, a new concept. I guess it was in other games. I'm not quite sure, but I've heard other people mention other games where you have to do that. Um, I don't know. I like it. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't care if they took it out either, but, um, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, I enjoyed that element of the game. Um, I know in other games that can be a little cumbersome and and overwhelming, but they kind of made it like a watered-down version in Breath of the Wild where it right. was just kind of a fun little quick little button push. It wasn't like you were, you know, that's what always kind of turned me off about games like Minecraft. There's just too much going on. All these things you can craft and dig, and it's just not my kind of game. So um, what they well, had in What Zelda I'll say is it's ironic that. that some of the people I've seen complain about it are into JRPGs, which I find not mind-numbing. Oh. You know, <laughs> same here. I'm going to fight the same, same person another time. I mean, just, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, experience I'm points and all that stuff. So, I mean, it really just, I it, I guess I would equate that to that. This is its version of 
that kind of mind-numbing stuff, but I don't find it so bad. I mean, uh, mixing a fish with a whatever, you know, a piece of fruit and making a dish and all that, you know, it was kind of fun. Yeah, I agree. So really looking forward to the new Breath of the Wild uh, Tears of the Kingdom game, which would which should be out, I believe, next month, like I said. Now, are you going to go so all out, or are you just going to get the basic? I'm just going to get the basic. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, what, the steel book with all the ephemera all the or whatever? I yeah. yeah I mean, that's, <laughs> no, yeah. no, I won't get that. I'll, I'll, I do want the physical version, but I don't care about all the um, fancy stuff. Not for this game. Like if, like when I got the um, uh, Metroid uh, or Samus Returns, I did get the special edition with the little keychain and all that kind of stuff, and it's kind of cool to have, but I don't typically do that, honestly. Yep. So okay. what about you? I don't know. I'm on the fence. I guess it kind of just depends on. I haven't pre-ordered it yet, so. Well, know. it's it's seventy dollars just as the game. For the regular so I'm not game, sure it, what the... you know, and that's another thing I've heard a lot of complaints about that it's gone up to seventy dollars. How long has it been sixty dollars? <laughs> like it feels like it's been that price forever. So I'm not surprised. I mean, I guess the other argument is they also uh, will sell us some. Um, uh, add-on content later on down the line. Um, yeah. Which is, I don't really have a problem with that either. You know? I don't have a problem with 70 bucks at all. Oh my gosh, they put uh, how many years of fine. development into this? Yeah, it seems yeah. fine. Yeah, I and Considering if you go back to like when Earthbound came out or Chrono Trigger, I am pretty, and even I think the original Street Fighter, one of them, there were some of those when they were released for the Super Nintendo that were like $70 or more. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So they had those premium titles that they charged a little more. Um, N64 era had $70 games. Yeah. I mean, they, it wasn't the norm. I mean, it was no. not every game, but uh, I feel like I've been paying $60 for games other than PlayStation games for a very long time. I mean, Nintendo games, that is. PlayStation typically is a little cheaper, but yeah, I don't know. Well, part Whatever. of the reason is... Part of the reason is they're on a, a cartridge, and that's a little right. bit more money um, than a disc or, or digital. So right. Well, well that whatever. became the that well the the funny thing is is they charge you the same for the digital. That's where I yep. could have a gripe. If you want to gripe about that, I'm all on board. Here's someone who's actually <laughs> right. just downloading code, and they're getting right. charged the same amount for something that actually comes with materials. You know. Like yeah. That. So right. that makes a little sense to me. I mean, I, I agree with that, but. Yeah. Well, that's our video game talk, I guess, for the episode. And next, we have uh, Chris. You li- uh, you got to live out a lifelong dream. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, when I was a kid, right? I'll, I'll do a little bit backstory before I get into it. But so when I was a kid, my my first experience of going to a big pay per view, um, you know, like for wrestling, was uh, WrestleMania two. But they weren't there. Uh, I went into an arena and watched it on TV because back then, at least in my area and most areas, actually, um, there was no pay-per-view. Uh, there might have been in some test markets, big markets like New York or something like that, but uh, you would go to what's called closed circuit TV. So the first, like, four out of the first five WrestleManias, because I didn't see WrestleMania 1 until later on tape, but uh, I watched in little arenas on television um but i was always you know i always wanted to go to a wrestlemania i had a chance sort of i mean i could have it would have cost money a lot but i could have went and saw 
the WrestleMania was in San Francisco a few years back. Um, but, you know, it just wasn't really feasible at the time. But it's something I've always wanted to do. And uh, my really good friend, Curtis, uh, you guys all know him from um, 911, uh, what is that show? <laughs> 911 yeah. Texas or whatever it was, uh, where he got blown up in, a, in an ambulance. But, um, no, uh, he, he had told, you know, I knew he was going. Him and his, and his lovely uh, fiance, Layla, um, they were, they, they were going to go. They had tickets given to them from a friend. And um, so I already knew. But there was always kind of that slight chance that if she didn't go for some reason, he'd sub me in. Uh, but I never, you know, no pressure, no thoughts of it. You know, it was kind of one of those things. I was just happy he was going. And, you know, I would have enjoyed it on television. I mean, you know, it, it, it would have been fine, I guess. But he called me, uh, I don't know, about a week and a half ago, I think it was, told me that um, Layla had to go overseas because she does that a lot for work and for family. And I'm honestly, I'm not quite sure. I'm pretty sure it was for work this time. And uh, there was a chance she wasn't going to be back on time. A really good chance that if she did come back, she was coming back Saturday and because WrestleMania now is a two-day event. For years, it was always just a one-day event, but ever since uh, since the quarantine with COVID, they have switched to a two-day format. So they have a day mm -hmm. one and a day two, so it's a Saturday-Sunday event. And, uh, of course, if you go to it, you <laughs> it's really smart because they double their gate. If you go, you got to buy tickets for day one, and you got to buy tickets for day two. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's, it's brilliant. And... Um, <laughs> And they sell out both days, so it's not like, well, people are only going to go one day. No, that's not how it works. They sell out. And uh, anyway, she wasn't going to be able to make it for day one, so I was subbed in. Um, now, day one, uh, he had, even though he uh, sourced the tickets from the same person, they weren't necessarily in the same spot. Um, day one, we were up in kind of, you know, what you would refer to as the nosebleeds. But truthfully... Uh, no joke. I was just happy to be in the building. It was really exciting to see it in person, to see the big spectacle play out. And um, I was content. Um, then uh, Curtis gives me a call and says he has good news and bad news. And what did I want first? And this was before I knew I knew 100% I was going Saturday. Uh, I said, well, just give me the good news. And, you know, the good news is you're going Saturday. It's, it's a done deal. I'm like, oh, that's great. And he goes, the bad news is... You're also, you're going to, well, actually what he said was you're going to WrestleMania. Layla's not going to make it back on time Saturday. And he goes, then the good news <laughs> is you're, you're going to WrestleMania. She's not going to make it back at all. <laughs> so, I mean, eventually <laughs> she will. But, um, so I got both days. Now, as fun as the first day was, and it was fun. It was really good matches. And, um, you know, I know, uh, you know, my good friend, Bill, your good friend, Bill is out there rolling his eyes because he's like, oh, I can't believe you would want to go to watch uh, a play. That's what he referred to it as. And I'm like, right. yeah, okay. He, his thing was, uh, I don't understand why you would want to go sit in bad seats or something you can't see, which, first off, we can see. I mean, you can see it just fine. You, there's just better seats. I mean, you know, it, it's not like right. they're ants. You know, you can see. Right. Um, so I asked him. I was like, okay. So someone that tells you these are the worst tickets in the house, the very worst tickets uh, for a Bob Dylan show. Uh -huh. uh, are you going to take them or are you going <laughs> to say, uh, no, I don't want them? He goes, well, yeah, I'm going to take them. I was like, well, then you understand. He goes, well, no, 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 no. See, it's different because that's music. And I'm like, okay, but uh, you still want to see them, right? I mean, and, and you know, it's like, uh, you know, you know, people go to plays. They go to operas. You know, they go to 
Um, there's a big street in New York that's full of plays, you know, Broadway. So anyway. Yeah. Um, He's got to use his little binocular things with a stick. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? People go. So anyway, but we went the first day. Day one was great. A lot of great matches. They sent the crowd home happy. Um, Some really good storylines had paid off. It was a lot of fun. Uh, But the second day is when it really got serious, okay? Because now we're we're in the VIP zone. Uh, You're going through your own little private uh, staircase. Uh, you're looking at all the peasants when you're walking by them, uh, looking down on them, <laughs> all these losers, right. That couldn't get anywhere near where we're going. You have to have your, you have to have a wristband on. Um, oh man. You know, we had our own private restrooms, our own private snack bar, our own private, uh, merch, merch thing, you know, merch store that Curtis you can only high roller, right. You can only get to this escalator. With uh, with this wristband, if you don't have it, you're not getting on. They have they, the security is really tight there. So, um, you know, when you get down on that floor, Duke, and you just start looking around, especially after the event's going. So, like about an hour into the event, you know, you start looking around behind you, and you really know how it feels, except for being murdered or eaten by lions, to be a Roman gladiator. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're looking, I mean, there's all these people. Granted, this is actually bigger than the Roman Coliseum to some degree, I would think. I don't know. I think they filled a lot of people in that Coliseum. But anyways, so day <laughs> one, there was 80,000 people there. Um, day two, there was mm. 81,000, which I, I don't know. Maybe they opened up a 1,000 more seats or something because it was sold out both days. So I, I don't know. You figure that out. But... Um, <laughs> Snoop Dogg was there, and and uh, it was a lot of fun. We we had a couple of good surprises. Um, we saw a couple of kind of serious injuries, not life threatening, but uh, one guy made his return. Shane McMahon, the owner's son, came and he was going to do a match, and and it lasted about three seconds. <laughs> he oh, uh, man, this guy's known for doing these top stunts he's dropping off these high places the top of a steel cage the top of the scoreboard which they call the titan drawn um in wrestling he's climbed up to the top of it i mean that thing's got to be 100 feet in the air and he's jumping off of it um done Mm. all these stunts okay always seems to come out fine Uh, you know he's had some uh, stitches and stuff like that but uh, uh, overall he's come out fine he did the most basic of move. I'm, I'm telling you, if you go to a wrestling school, this is the thing they do. The very first thing it's called <laughs> running the ropes, right? You run right. the rope and uh, the guy will drop down on the ground and you jump over him. And then when you come back, he leaps frogs and you go under him. And depending on which one you are, well, he was the guy who was doing the dropping down and the jumping up and he threw the guy into the ropes and he jumped over him and he broke his ankle or tore his knee uh i think he blew uh his quad or something <laughs> and oh my god and then he went to try to stand up again and it was like nope <laughs> they pull a stretcher out and everything no he walked out they carried him out i mean you know he's he had his arms around somebody's necks uh, a couple guys got him out of there but uh you know it was awkward and then the Snoop Dogg had to come in and kind of rescue the segment and take over. And he looked, oh, 
He could not have now. My name is Big Snoop Dogg, and I'm the king of the West Coast. If you don't know, you do now. Bow wow. And the funny thing is, is you'll see these memes that'll say, if wrestling is fake, explain this, and it'll be like the most ridiculous things in wrestling. You know, it's that that's right. kind of the joke, right? right well, right. they can do that with Snoop Dogg's performance. If wrestling's fake, explain this. Dio Double Jizzle. He's like running the ropes, but he's like basically walking. He looked ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, Mike check one two one two. I is the one and only Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Well, he's getting up there in age at this point. Well, I don't even care. He's he looked as bad as he looked ten years ago when he tried to do the same stuff. <laughs> Snoop D O double G. The guy weighs probably about 110 pounds, soaking wet, and it just looked ridiculous. But it was fun, and that's kind of part of the show. It's it's the fun of it all. Right. Another guy had a really serious um, gash on the, on the top of his head. We didn't, we knew he was bleeding. We didn't know exactly what, but I noticed it later on the internet, and um, it, it probably going to take about twenty, thirty stitches or something. It was, it was a oh my big gosh. gash. He got hit in the head with a a guy threw a ladder at him. I guess the idea, you know the. The fakery of it all is, you know, you get your hand up and you make it look like it hit you in the head, but you kind of soften the blow. I don't think right. he got his hand up. And, uh, oh, it, it got knocked... a direct hit. <laughs> yeah, direct hit. So, um, he was in pretty bad shape, but they did finish the match and it was a really fun match. Uh, I just, I just kind of felt bad for him because he had to be in rough shape. I mean, just. You know, they, they must have done something to kind of close the wound. They probably put glue or whatever they do right. um, on it in the moment. But later on, you know, they were showing it backstage before they stapled him up, and it looked bad. I was like, wow, that's – glad that wasn't Yikes. my head. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the ending had a big surprise. We were all expecting a particular person to win. We all thought uh, Cody Rhodes was going to fulfill his family's lifelong dream, and uh, he didn't. The Roman Reigns retained, and everybody went home, and it – talk about sucking the energy out of the crowd. I mean, it's not that home, Roman isn't popular. He is. A lot of people – I like him. I mean, but it's, you know, fresh storylines thinking, you know, like they're going to change the mm -hmm. title over, new feuds, whatever. Uh, yeah, he walked away with the belts, and uh, that was that, but it was great. Um, Curtis was awesome getting us. We also went with uh, two other friends, uh, Brian and Liv, which, you know, those are the four tickets that he got. And we had a great time. Were you close enough that you got some wrestler sweat splattered no, on you at all? We were not. We, <laughs> you'd have to kind of be ringside for something like that. But uh, we were close enough, though. I mean, it was very good seats. Very good seats. Uh, close enough that you could yell something and hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah, we were that close. Oh, okay. They could That's hear cool. you. I mean, we were that close. Uh, we got, I, I, I thought when we were, um, me and Curtis were driving, and uh, I was like, you know, we should make some, some signs, but really, like, wholesome signs with silly stuff, like, uh, you know, Cody number one, or, you know, like like a child would make, <laughs> right? Right, right. And right. I came up with uh, Cody number one and a Boo Roman, you know, just these basic <laughs> wholesome signs that you would see. Uh, another one uh, our friend Brian came up with was I heart edge, you know, with a big heart and uh, edge uh -huh. is a wrestler. And then uh, okay. his, um, his girlfriend um, or fiance, I, I really don't know their status. I don't want to downgrade her. So whichever it is, <laughs> um, she, uh, she came up with everybody try your best. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> that was really good. 
And um, no, no one had a Baba Booey sign. Baba Booey. No, 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 no. That, that wasn't the goal. We weren't trying to be edgy. Of course, I don't know how edgy that would be now. Baba Booey. But it was supposed to be like uh, really corny, wholesome signs. Right. You know? I like and it. Anyways, That's me great. and Curtis got on. I haven't gone back and watched the whole event, but uh, we did get the Cody number one and Boo Roman uh, that got on during the main event so that was oh, I you felt saw like that was a big success yeah yeah I, we went back uh, oh that's awesome when me and curtis got settled in um we watched that match now, back. let me ask you this do they have to approve your signs how does that work well no i mean i guess if uh they look at the signs because of the size um but yeah if we had like you know something vulgar they probably wouldn't have right. it. but it, it seemed like their concern was more about the size of the sign, but yeah, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to put like, you know, something vulgar on a sign and it's going to be right. shown. That's not going to happen. Um, people gotcha. do sneak stuff in and redo signs when they're in there, but typically they get, right. they, they'll, somebody will come and take it from you. Uh, sc- security or whatever. But, um, they actually, we almost not, we almost didn't get them in. Uh, when we got there, the lady was trying to tell us they were too big. Now we just got the standard poster board sign, um, but I kind of, I pushed back. I was like, Hey, I've seen a lot of signs this size. This is the basic size. And she said, well, hold on. Let me go ask somebody. So she went and got like, oh uh, like a security. Well, we put a lot of effort. Like, you swindled was... her. You swindled the security guard just like at a, a swap meet or something. Well, no, I, I guess you could say I, I, <laughs> I haggled it. I pushed back, but I mean, I wasn't wrong. That's hysterical. There was other signs that was the same size. I saw plenty of them that the night before <laughs> and even walking past us. I was like, that sign. I wasn't pointing out other people, but I was like, I clearly saw signs that were the same size. <laughs> so um, I she went and grabbed some guy and the guy looked at go, no, they're, they're fine. There's a bunch of them been let in that size. We're not going to stop it now. You know, basically, you, you guys have fun, you know. And uh, <laughs> I was like, dude. <laughs> Wow, with your skills, uh, you could have maybe gotten a vulgar sign in there. You could have been like, well, I know this is a giant penis, but I've seen uh, this is a flaccid penis. <laughs> I've maybe. seen some erect penises. Oh, I've seen some real, yeah. I've... Oh, go ahead, then. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, uh, oh, maybe. Man. You never know. Next time, we'll try. <laughs> I didn't want to push my luck at, at Mania. But anyways, it was kind of one of those childhood things where, you know, as a little kid, had you would have told me that one day I'd be, you know, at a WrestleMania, that would have been kind of, uh, it, it would have been like, wow, you know, I couldn't believe it. So I'm, it was good. And, I, and I'm and i very well, grateful. That's awesome. Um, Byron, I, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say, but the, the gentleman who gave us the tickets, um, really appreciate him. He He's uh, he's a really good guy. And I really appreciate Curtis because uh, he's the one who made it happen. Without Curtis, there would be no tickets. So. Appreciate it. Well, good we had for a really you guys. good time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I saw some of the pictures and I saw nothing but smiles and you guys look like you're having a good time, so that's really cool. Honestly, we couldn't have had a better time. I mean, you know, sure we could have been a few rows closer, that kind of thing, but uh, other than that, it was it was top notch, man. I'm not complaining. I mean, that if I <laughs> you give me a piece of paper that says I'll sign that every time I go to wrestling, that's where I'm going to sit, I would sign it quickly. It's Really good seats, a lot of fun. You definitely had a VIP feeling because you can walk all the way around on the floor. You just couldn't walk next to the ring. You had to be in right. the ringside. You had to have a different wristband for ringside. But who cares? You know what I mean? Like those people were yep. paying. 
I looked in the resale market for that, and I was seeing prices like ten thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh! I don't think really? that was the sticker price. I'm sure the sticker price was uh, had to be six seven hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably even more than that. But uh, yeah, I went to. Uh, I was curious, kind of what our tickets cost, and uh, I was looking, you know, looking them up, and um, I was, you know, I was just seeing other tickets and i was like wow and it wasn't even front row duke it was like ringside but like fourth row you know like i'm paying ten thousand dollars i want to be right next to the action you know but hey you know some people you know al michaels was there and uh there was Mm. other stars uh, you know uh, curtis accosted some uh celebrity in the restroom or something he was telling me i don't know (laughs) He, he saw somebody um so, That's funny. Yeah, there was another guy from uh, Modern Family. I forget his name, but he's like the the chubby white guy, the neighbor. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he was a neighbor. I forget his name. Anyways, he walked by and he's like, "Hey, look, it's that one guy from Modern Family." And I was like, "Oh yeah, cool." <laughs> I mean, it was cool. You know, it's it's neat That's that cool. we're in the same section as uh, you know, yeah, the fat guy from Modern well, that's Family. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for you guys. I'm glad you had a good time. And uh, it's always fun to have a, a lifelong dream fulfilled, even if it's yep. in your latter years of life. That's really cool. <laughs> latter. I'm in the middle, man. <laughs> well, I still got a long way to go. <laughs> that's true. All right. Well, I guess we can move on to our main topic here. So, Chris, another one of your ideas, which I'm very thankful for. Um, we have both kind of discovered that we um, enjoyed the movie Ex Machina. Um, which is a, a 2014 movie about artificial intelligence, and um, Chris, you you said, well, let's let's talk about it because we had a real good time talking about the the rom coms. That was a fun episode, and uh, we thought we'd piggyback on that concept and just talk about um, you know a different genre of movie. But um, so we decided to also uh, watch another film that's quite similar, and that is a older film. Because, you know, this is the Retro Nonsense podcast, so I wanted to throw some retro. It's not that retro, but um, this is the, what is it, 2001, I think, film? Um, AI. Yeah, 2001. It, it, it has to, if it is, it's early 2001 because there was a shot of the Twin Towers in it. So Really? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, when they were, uh, oh. spoiler alert, towards the end of the movie when the oh yeah, yeah that, everything's okay. underwater or whatever. Yep, uh, yep. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of watch another film that uh, has a similar topic and, and plot. So we wanted to compare the two movies. Um, so this is the 2001 movie AI, uh, Artificial Intelligence, by Steven Spielberg. So we both watched both films, and we're going to talk about them. So I guess we'll start. Did you have a preference? Um, I, I watched Ex Machina again uh, first, so that's kind of what I had in mind to talk about first. Sure. But whatever I you just think. finished it right now. Okay. So, well, yeah. great. So I, this is a film I've seen probably about five times. Um, really, really enjoy this movie. The first time I saw it, it really um, it fits in right with a lot of the. I love this kind of this kind of movie that deals with AI because just like the Alien franchise and Terminator franchise, I've always loved movies that delve into um, AI and artificial intelligence and robots and stuff like that. So this is really, really um, in my wheelhouse, so to speak. So I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's written and directed by uh, Alex Garland. And this is from A24 Studios, which they put out a lot of uh, movies that I really like. 
Me too. Um, it's kind of like an art house. Yeah, it's kind of a lower, like, um, I know the word artsy gets thrown around a lot, but it's an art house kind of studio that puts out lower budget films. I guess they're kind of medium budget, to be honest with you. But, well, I um, think they make the like, most of what they spend. Yeah. And the majority of these films... I, honestly, if you looked at the set and... I don't know. It's hard to think of this as low budget. You know what I mean? Every, I mean, even though uh, where it was was simple, but just like, you know, the, the, the AI itself, I don't know. Everything looked cool. You know what I mean? Like, it looks, Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like a... It yeah, looked cheap it, at all. It didn't look like cra- arts and crafts were happening. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I think it's more in the line with, instead of calling it low budget, independent films. Right. Where you have a lot of... Uh, director writers you know who, who were it's the same person that wrote and directed the film kind of like um unlike ai which was a hugely produced film by you know and directed by steven spielberg um th- these films from a24 studios are typically smaller films um and they're written and directed like you know the witch came from a24 studios which is right. the same thing robert eckard uh wrote and directed that film that was his baby same thing with midsummer and um uh what's the other one that i liked um Hereditary. Those two horror films also came from this studio, and that same uh, person wrote and directed those films. So it's it's kind of has that the studio puts out a lot of those types of films, and I everything I've seen so far from this studio, for the most part, I've really enjoyed. Um, well, well, this might have been the it's first. It's a very small cast. Uh, I'm looking at oh, it yeah, now. It's, it's about like, as small as you can get. It's like ten <laughs> ten people credited, um, and you're really only seeing about four for the most of the yes. movie. And yeah. uh, I would say at the time they were all kind of relatively unknown. I mean, they're all really good, but I don't think they were uh, household names. No, uh, no. At the time. I mean, this was 2014 when it was released. So, Right. Um, even though a few of them are very familiar, and we can get into that, but um, overall it seems like they're all kind of unknown people. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to see a lot of famous actors well, you're starting to see it now because A24 Studios, I think, just put out a, a film with um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, I believe. So, I'm starting to see more. The studio has taken off, and they're 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 gaining in popularity, and they're pumping out a lot more films these days. But when they first came out, I don't know the whole history of A24 Studios, honestly. I think I think Ex Machina might have been the first movie I've seen from that studio, and then I saw The Witch, and then I saw. Um, uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, and I think those are the only films I've seen from the studio. Honestly, um, some of the ones don't interest me too much. I like the horror sci-fi angle, which a lot of them are. There's a lot of horror films coming out of the studio, um, but I really liked um, Midsummer. I'm sorry, um, Hereditary and Midsummer was okay. I, I had a lot of issues with that one. Well, but I you did. saw both of those films. I, I saw them all, and I think they were all excellent. But um, yeah, me and yeah. you rank our favorites different, but. You got three yeah. of them, and we like all three for the most part. I know you're a little cold yeah. on uh, Midsummer, but yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So yeah, this is a small film. Um, I think it definitely benefits from the fact that it's one person's baby. You know, uh, I, I typically think that smaller films like this, you can totally tell. Um, Again, comparing to AI especially, um, and we'll get into that one secondly, but I think that one had a lot of issues because of the production of it, whereas this one was more in control. This was one person's vision, right. and it was the pacing was good. Um, it was succinct. 
it it was a cohesive kind of thing, whereas some bigger films lose that. So I think it had that going for it right off the bat. But what did, what what are your general thoughts of this movie? Well, I liked how it was. Um, the the story stayed on point. You you um, it had a good you know it had a surprise ending. Won't get into that yet, but. So it had one of those, it had a good arc to the story. I felt like uh, it was very focused. Um, you know, it had a little twists and turns in it, but it felt kind of fast-paced too, you know what I mean? So um, I, I was happy with the movie. I, the first time I saw it, because uh, I kept uh, <clears throat> I kept seeing the, the cover at different places, um, you know, at the Walmart or on the, you know, on the internet, I would see this, uh, you know, because she's, you know, she's um, an android with, you know, her, the back of her head's exposed, right? Mm, and yeah. um, so I would see that a lot. And I had, you know, I didn't think much about the movie. Truthfully, I thought it was probably going to be a bad movie. I, I didn't know anything about it. I knew it was kind of low budget, but, you know, I didn't know nothing about it. But I um, I did hear, I think I was looking for, uh, I was might have been looking up a list for, um <clears throat> like a uh, low budget movies that are some good or, you know, movies you haven't seen that you should see something like that. Right. And that was on it yeah. on a couple different lists. I, I, I saw that movie on there. So uh, one night me and Shannon, I was like, you know what, let's give this movie a try. And we put it on and uh, we were both really happy with it. Um, and, and what else I like about the movie is um, it doesn't pull any punches at the end. Uh, it could have, it could have totally copped out in a different direction than it did. You know what I mean? And it kind of oh, yeah. left you, uh, it, it kind of sucked a little bit, you know what I mean? But not in a like bad way, but you know, you kind of felt for one character, um, you know, this, like the innocent one kind of got screwed over just as much as, you know, the evil one. Yeah. Right. And, right. um, so I, I like that. I, I, I can appreciate a movie with a good twist that you don't really see coming. You know what I mean? Because, like, the yes. generic way would have been happily ever after, right? Of course. You know what I mean? That was kind of what you were expecting. And, uh, you know, the old rug got pulled out from under you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these um, these types of films are going to have a twist. You can almost... I mean, think about the other ones from A24. Yep. The Witch. They all have did. a twist, yeah. They all have... It, not, not, not necessarily a twist, like a gimmick. Well, but there's a, some sort ending. of, like shocking ending or yeah the ending didn't kind of end how you thought like okay for instance uh hereditary you i defy anybody to tell me they thought the ending was going to be that <laughs> no, nobody yeah who, who it was saw just, that coming yes okay they, and that, you did not I, see that I like unlike um you know compared to like um m night Shyamalan, who a lot of where his twists are kind of gimmicky and some are, and some, I, I think some pay off well, and then others are like eh, unbreakable. Six cent, I think those were the high mark of his yes. his reveals, um, his earlier movies. Yeah, the one where uh, they're like all Amish or whatever. I can't remember the title of that one. Yeah, but, but uh, the, the village, the, the village. village, right? The village yeah. payoff, though. I think it was a good uh, surprise. It ended up giving it a Twilight Zone episode feeling. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Instead yeah. of it didn't it didn't feel like you just watched a big budget movie. It felt like you just watched, uh, you know, Black sure. Mirror. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, 
Well, let's back up a little bit and kind of talk about the plot of this, uh, just to give our audience. I mean, we're going to talk spoilers, of course, because we're going to get deep into. Yeah, we kind of have to. You can't really talk about this movie without getting into spoilers. No, and they've been out for quite a while, so I I think that's fine. But so this this guy Caleb, um, seemingly wins a contest through his work, and his boss Nathan, who is like a I guess Elon Musk type character, he's a child prodigy uh, genius. Yeah, multi-billionaire yeah. Um, type guy, uh, eccentric, whatever. Um, so he wins this contest where he gets to stay at his um, e- extravagant um, uh, house or whatever you want to call it. Or his um, it's very modern. Sure it's really a very the, modern compound on a compound like a is a better word. Yeah, complex, four, whatever. Four, yeah, complex on a four hundred or two to four hundred acre. Land. I mean, it's this guy. Oh, I owns, think it's more than that because it might be. I don't know. Almost. Well, yeah, because well, they were that. flying over for two hours before they even. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. It was like he's like, when do we get little... to his place? Because we've been flying over for two hours. Yeah. So basically, yeah, this right. guy owns a small country or something. I mean, it's, right, it's a lot right, of land. Right. You're right. Yeah. So they're they're right off the bat. They're expl- they're telling you this guy is immensely uh, wealthy and powerful. Um, so he lives in this remote complex where it's not just his home, but it's like uh, where he does all his work, um, kind of like um, uh, Iron Man's place where sure. you know, Iron Man built his suit and everything. It's like a house, but it's also like his workshop and everything similar right. to that. Um, so it's just them two this whole weekend. Right. Uh, well, it's it's over a seven day well, period. Supposed to be yeah he, a week, and and it's yes. top security. The uh, um yeah. The helicopter pilot drops him. He has to hike in the rest of the way. Uh, yes. They cannot it, come. They can only come on scheduled days. You cannot. There's no phone lines in, in or out. Like, it's very. Yes. Secure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool because right off the bat, you get this sense of isolation. And it really sets this tone um, that it's it's kind of creepy. It's kind of daunting. Uh, it's just them, too. He doesn't know him. So there's all this awkwardness as well. And he's a very intimidating character, Nathan, the boss guy. And um, Caleb just comes up here. He's a younger guy, and he he doesn't know what to expect. He doesn't really know what's going to happen. And Nathan explains to him that he wants him to be the subject of this touring test where he gets to interact with his AI and kind of go through a series of tests over seven days and see if it passes the touring test, which means that the AI is... A success or a self-aware or whatever you want to call it well it passes um, as human and it passes as uh, yeah, intelligence or, or whatever right yeah like it's right it doesn't so it doesn't look it's... like pre-recorded thoughts or whatever this is it's 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 exactly acting on its own it's conscious essentially yeah exactly so you know like like in the, the terminator series it would be considered self-aware i guess right or whatever, but... well exactly that's basically what it is yeah so Do you know what the Turing test is? Yeah, I know what the Turing test is. It's when a human interacts with a computer. And if the human doesn't know they're interacting with a computer, the test is passed. And what does the pass tell us? That the computer has artificial intelligence. Are you building an AI? I've already built one. And over the next few days, you're going to be the human component in the Turing test. Holy shit. Yeah, that's right, Caleb. You got it. Because if that test is passed, you 
are dead center of the greatest scientific event in the history of man. So that's that's how it's set up. And then so throughout the process of this, um, the, the seven session, seven day um, week, um, things just kind of go downhill. And um, he starts to kind of fall for this AI, this beautiful girl robot. And he starts to question um, what's really going on and how much of of what she's doing is really her versus her programming and Nathan is being vague and kind of cryptic and there's tension between them two and it just kind of spirals out of control from there until we get to the the big you know finale at the end um but I think this movie did such a good job with so many things technically speaking um it's very well written very well directed um it it gives the audience a very good sense of tension and um, isolation and kind of edge of your seat, even though there's not a lot of action or anything going on, you're kind of, you're always wondering what's going to go on, you know, around the next corner and all the acting is very, very good. Um, there's only like, like we just talked about only really four characters in this entire film that you're focused on three really mainly. And there's one kind of side character, but, it's just a, a very small movie in that way. And you get, you get a lot of dialogue, you get a lot of um, conversation and it's very interesting. And then, um, so what are your thoughts on how, how, how this movie plays out in regards to kind of like um, the hidden messages or the philosophy of what's going on? Did you take anything from, from that in that way? Or did you just kind of watch it as a surface level robot trying to escape and become real type movie? Well, I think there was some subtext like, uh, you know, how we treat animals or how we treat um, servants or whatever, like it, the, the, sure. the humanizing of it all. Like, I own you kind of thing. You you're there to serve me at my will. I think there was a little bit of that. I mean, because essentially um, the other AI that was there, who was the lesser of the characters, she was basically there just to be his partner. I mean, he was having sex with her right. and dancing with her, and uh, he being the main, uh, the main bad guy, uh, Nathan. Uh, Nathan, yeah. there you go. Yeah, uh, Nathan, the 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 billionaire. Uh, he yep. had a partner robot or AI. Um, so she was, you know, so you can kind of see where, you know, he looked. He they weren't anything to them if, as soon as. Um, they were just machines, and he's working on it. And even one of the problems um, that are, um, what was her name, Ava? Ava, yeah. Ava, uh, the main AI, you know, she's self-aware. She starts to worry, like, you know, what's going to happen to me? Why can't I leave? Why can't, uh, is he going to, is he going to destroy me or whatever? You know, and essentially that's what he is going to do. He's going to, at some point, um study everything she does and make the next model and he's just going to reuse her body he'll wipe her memory and upload the new program so um right. essentially killing her and um you know so that is just kind of this um you know it's it's you know there's no humanity there you know whereas uh we we yeah and, and that would be probably the problem with ai as a whole if it you know if if we put all these human emotions into the AI, they're going to have the same fears and wants and desires just as we would. So, yeah, there was, there was something yep. to that. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of layers to this, um, film. And this is another reason why I love 
movies like this. Again, the, the Alien franchise, especially the, the latter movies, um, really delved into this in a way that I really enjoyed. Um, very ph- philosophical. Um, so, you know, with the Alien franchise, the original Alien had, um, um, what was the uh, robot's name? Ash. Yeah, Ash. Okay. Um, and then they took that little character and they built the, the, the second Prometheus and Alien Covenant series or movies. Um, and they delved more into that, the whole AI angle. And I really, really liked that. It was really, I know Prometheus had its, had its issues, but I really liked that film it did, a lot. It also had a lot of stuff that was cool about it too. Yeah. And I think Alien Covenant is underrated. That, that took Prometheus's concept and, and, drove it home to me in, in a really good way. And I really, really enjoyed Alien Covenant as well. Um, and, you know, the Terminator series, especially the Sarah Connor Chronicles, um, did a really good job dealing with this AI issue and, you know, um, themes of, of morality and what does it mean to be alive and all those all those deep, heavy things um, as a subtext to a, a fun robot movie. And I think this did a really good job at doing a lot with those underlying tones um, where you can go back to it and you can think about it and you can say, oh, this might mean this. Kind of like um, lots of hidden meanings or extra layers of content, which I think was similar to The Witch as well. You know, the more you watch that, the more you kind of discover that there is to think about. So, um, you know, along this uh, journey that Caleb's on in, in dealing or having this touring test with Ava, you know, he starts, starts to fall for her and there's all this wonder as the audience is he really falling for her is she really falling for him is she just trying to trick him is this all like a game that because Caleb I'm, I'm sorry Nathan comes across as very manipulative and you can't trust him so how much of this is he does he know about and obviously he's watching all of this with cameras but there's right. this thing that Ava can do where she can kill the power to where Nathan can't see anything and then she has private conversations with Caleb well, and in their first, in their very first interaction, the power gets killed. You don't know why. Even Nathan claims he doesn't know why. And right. uh, the the power, she does this little power trick that she does, and um, when the power goes out, she the assumption is um, he can't hear them, and uh, she says, "Don't trust him. You know, he lies, and yeah. everything he says to you right. is going to be a lie." So he she plants exactly. that seed of doubt on his very first experience with her. And it was basically a test because when he goes to talk to Nathan, um, Nathan kind of is like, you know, questioning him. And, um, you know, Nathan's a very smart guy. That, that is one good thing too. They didn't make it, they didn't cop out. Like he's some idiot, you know, like he's, he's overconfident or whatever. Cause you know, at, at the end, well, we'll get there, but essentially um, he's a lot smarter than, He's as smart as you think he should be, and he's even a little more smarter than that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a next mm-hmm. level to he 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 knows what's going on. He's he's basically playing, uh, you know, playing um, Caleb. You know, he knows the situation. He knows she's going to use all these tactics on him, um, sexual, emotional. Uh, she's going to try to connect with him, and he's letting that happen because he wants to kind of see what she'll do because he thinks that is the true sign of uh, intelligence is what you right. know, he knows she wants to escape. And he, so this was more about um, testing her 
yeah to see what she's going to do to caleb whereas on the surface it's about testing caleb to see if she can caleb thinks he's there for his opinion where in reality he just needs a test subject to see how it's going to play out it, Caleb, it doesn't really matter what Caleb's thoughts are. You don't know that initially, but uh, it, it doesn't even matter. He, that, you know, he even tells them that basically at the end. Like, you know, uh, you know, he didn't care. He didn't really care what Caleb thought. Or he, matter of fact, he doesn't even respect Caleb. He doesn't even think he's that intelligent. You know, he he's like, yeah, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of a good programmer, basically. You know. Well, yeah, and that ended up being part of his downfall. His yep. his arrogance. So, but you know, you you um. You know, he handpicked Caleb. Caleb. Caleb thought he won a contest, and he, he discovers later that he handpicked him because of his background. He lost his parents. He didn't have, you know, he lost his parents in a car crash. He didn't have a girlfriend. Right. He knew a lot about because he used this blue book, this like Google, this search engine type thing to gather essentially information. Google. Endless amounts of, essentially Google. Essentially yeah. Google, right? Yeah. But he had more than Google because he was reading facial expressions and from well, around the entire planet. He was planet. able to. Well, he. Essentially, he was Google and Apple combined because he was able to tap into everybody's phones. And he used everybody's micro expressions and their search histories and their online tendencies to build his AI. Right. And even one good moment is when Caleb, it started to dawn on him how much Nathan was playing him. And he's like, did you base her face off my porn searches? You know what I mean? And he's exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, yep. That was, yeah, a... I did. You know what I mean? Like, of yep. course I did, you know? So all this was crafted by Nathan very meticulously. He, he set this up exactly the way he wanted. But, um, like going back to the power outages as an audience, I didn't know if, if Nathan knew about those and kind of was part of that too, if he was playing right. Caleb to see what he would say right. in private. But, but, but to Caleb's, um, to Caleb's uh, defense, he suspected he might be the one who's doing the power outages or even with the power outage, he might be able to hear them. He kind of suspected that. Yeah. Because then at the, near the, near the end, when they were finally hit, you know, Caleb, and Ava were coming up with this plan to free her. Um, you know, Nathan puts a camera that's battery operated and captures their conversation and kind of confronts Caleb. Yeah. And that's kind of ha- when the end, the finale starts to kind of unfold as he tries to get um, Ava free. And they, you know, he thinks they're going to be a couple and, and escape this, um, this complex and, you know, essentially leave leave Nathan not not die necessarily, but escape from well, Nathan in this th- complex. Well, their plan was to lock him lock him into his room and leave because this helicopter was going to come on uh, Caleb's last day. It's already predetermined. This helicopter is going to land. The helicopter does not go to the compound. Does not talk to anybody. All you have to do is get to the chopper. Okay. And if you get yes. to it, you're going to be able to board it and leave. No questions asked because right. that's how his security is set up. So their plan exactly. is just to have him, um, when during one of these power outages, he was going to change some codes. So when the power come back on, it unlocked the doors to free uh, Anna or Ava. Is it Ava? Ava. Uh, Ava. Yep. And uh, was going to be able to. She was going to be able to get out of her cell. He was going to, in turn, be locked into his room, 
and they were just going to leave, get on the chopper, and leave. That was the plan. Right. Or so that's what Nathan, you think the plan. That's what Caleb thought the plan was. <laughs> well, Nathan did not, as we just mentioned, give Caleb enough credit for his intelligence because he actually played Nathan at the end yep. and kind of knew that he was going to watch him and did everything ahead of time when he, to he yeah enable... so okay that was also other part of the plan on the last day the plan was he was going to get nathan drunk and yeah lo- this is the plan they were saying out loud that he was going to get nathan drunk and lock him into his bedroom but in reality what he did was he got him drunk the day before and did all the stuff then and right. but nathan right. like thought he caught him because you know that morning he's like hey let's have a drink and he's like oh no i'm clean i'm not gonna drink no more and really right you know and he's like oh shit but <laughs> in reality what he uh caleb already done it so it's and frankly it would have probably yes. well i guess it wouldn't have mattered either way how it turned out because i think uh i think old nathan was doomed no matter what yep so the robot's the two robots, um, Ava and the other one's Kyoko, I think is her name. Sounds right. Um, they escape, and he confronts them in this area. He's like, oh, shoot, go back to your room. And they tackle him, and they stab him and kill him. And Nathan essentially bleeds out on the floor. Yep. And then Caleb thinks that he gets to have his moment and escape with his princess and get freedom, and she just shuts him in. <laughs> And walks away and well, escapes on well, her own. Well, initially, see, at this whole time, she's still exposed from the majority of her body is robotic. It looks like a robot. Um, only the only thing that's skin is her face and a little bit of her arm, her hands. Uh, so yeah. she says, "I'll be right back." And what he doesn't realize is she just locked him into this room, and she goes to. Um, Nathan's little he has like this closet that has all these other AI bodies I guess maybe he switches the bodies around or whatever so she peels off their skin puts all the skin on puts hair on gets dressed and uh just walks right out and then it starts to sink in on poor Caleb that uh she's not taking him with her and he's screwed because he's locked in this room yeah. Yeah, and he he thinks she gets herself all done up, and she's all pretty looking, and then she just walks out, and yeah. he's like banging on the door. He's trying to break the door, and she just walks away. So it is like a a bit of a twist ending that you're probably not expecting, but uh, it's a very poignant ending, though. Uh, I mean, Caleb's gonna die, <laughs> you know, like because oh, nobody yeah, the most... nobody comes, nobody's allowed to come to the compound. Oh, he is dead. He's There's gonna no die. Question. He's gonna starve to death. He's he's gonna starve to in, death in a very him. gruesome way. You know, dying alone and yeah. starving white after a broken heart. Right. <laughs> it's a terrible way to go. So that 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 plays into I think what the deeper layers of kind of the philosophy of this movie and what it's trying to say. Um, I I think it's it's really brilliant at making you as the audience. Um, it's not telling you how to feel. It's it's your it like if you, on the surface you watch this and it ends and you're like okay I'm not sure how to feel like I, am I happy am I sad am I confused because the protagonist doesn't get his way the antagonist dies like you'd expect or you know gets kind of won over but then this this third party kind of emerges at the end and gets her freedom 
and you're like, whoa, what does that even mean? Like she, here's the thing, you know, she, she got what she wanted. Okay. But what did she, what did she do to get there? You know, she had to lie, deceive, break his heart, kill. So she, you know, she's not really an antagonist or a protagonist. She's, she's kind of an evil at the end. She's, she's seen as evil almost, right? She did really bad things to gain her freedom. I would say there's a different way to look at that. Um, exactly. She, that's, she's, that's the she's a prisoner. Okay. She's a prisoner. And essentially, she's sweet talking one of the guards. Now, granted, Caleb um, is trying to help her, but he's also trying to help her for a purpose. Right? Right. He wants to be with her. And doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to be with him. She just wants to be free, but she's going to use everything at her disposal to get him to do right. that. So right. I guess one could say um, she could have probably let him out, but then there's also self-preservation. I mean, nobody knows, right? Nobody knows well, she what, exists. I mean, what are they... What is the filmmaker saying with... Because like, Caleb is an innocent person, and she had no empathy for him. She but had no compassion he's also for him. a loose care. end. Right, so she's she's all about herself and and escaping and and getting what she wants, her freedom, but at, at any cost is my yeah. point. It, it didn't matter who she hurt along the way; she was going to get what she wanted. So you know, there's a couple of different ways. There's a lot of clues, I think. First of all, the the title Ex Machina, um, the the that's a play on another phrase. It's a Latin phrase, Deus Ex Machina, which means. Uh, God from a machine from let me I wrote it down here it means God from a machine so the title of this film is Ex Machina there's no deuce so they, they remove the God from the title okay mm-hmm. this is a very nihilistic type of um, uh, philosophy threaded through this film um, Nathan is well, think about it there's like three characters and I, I, I see them as God Adam and Eve you got uh, Nathan who is like the God character he's the creator and he's portrayed in this film in a very nihilistic, very, you know, like a, like a um, I guess a atheistic type of way. He's an evil god. He he's cruel. He's manipulative. He's intimidating, and he's not a very kind god. And his creation ends up killing him. So if you're familiar with um, Frederick Nietzsche, he's a philosopher who kind of coined the phrase "God is dead," and it's a it's a very um. He's a, he's an atheist uh, philosopher, I think, from the 1700s. But um, it, there's a lot of that kind of underlying um, philosophy in this film. But I think that the filmmaker doesn't isn't preaching that to you. I think he's kind of to me, you know, when she walks out of there and gets her way, and you see the consequences of that. You know, she had to kind of do immoral things to get what she wanted to get her freedom. And then, like you were just saying, you kind of were justifying it on your angle. Well, she, you know, she was trying to escape, and she was just seeing him as a prison guard. And Caleb was a mean guy, or not Caleb, but Nathan was a, a bad creator or a bad boss or whatever. Well, Caleb's I mean, you kinda, definitely. You see that as, he, he, I don't even know if he's evil. Okay, that's another thing. Like, uh, let's say you, you dismantle. Mean Nathan? Yeah, Nathan. Let's say you decided to dismantle your car, right? You decided to scrap it out. I mean, that, you're not evil. You're just getting rid of uh, one of your pieces of machinery. That's how he looks at these things. He's created an AI, but to him, it's just a sophisticated computer. 
that mimics humanity, and he wants to make it, you know, as close to um, human as possible. But he did make mention that years in the future, when AI is all that's left, they'll look back at us like we're fossils. Well, you also get, though, some other, um, you know, they portray him in other ways as a bad person. You know, he was manipulative to Caleb. He was not very kind. He's very sure. aggressive. He, did, he didn't have any ethics in regards to using everybody's cell phones without them knowing it to gather information. But that's, that's so he's the not a, he's powerful not a, taking advantage of the weak. So there's that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, of course. So he's not in any light shown as an ethical or no, 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 not at all. I, I don't think he is, but I, I just think of him as um, simplistic in his thinking. Not not simple-minded, but um, the ends justify the means or whatever. Or means justify yes. the ends. You know what I mean. In, yeah, ends justify the means. So um, it doesn't matter what he has to do to these artificial intelligence. This is part of the process. You have to. And you're not going to rebuild a new one every time because that – take supplies and time and money i mean he's like the body's still good it's a really good body that was one of you know one of his things so it's like yeah you know, i'm gonna gonna have to delete her mind he said he's gonna upload her brain delete the memory yes. and then re-upload it with the new software or you know the version point 19 or whatever he said something like the next version of it so Essentially I mean, killing her. But but essentially we i mean it's kind of what you do to your operating system on your phone you know what I mean? Like I see where he's, oh, I yeah. see how he's thinking it. Like you get a new operating system on your phone. There's a new update from Apple. You are essentially killing the old one. I mean, if that kind of logic, except we hope our phones aren't self-aware because then we're in trouble. They have a lot of our information, but right. But you know, look at look at the, you know, who was good in this movie? Because I don't see Ava as good. I definitely don't see Nathan as good. Caleb was kind of. I wouldn't call him really good. He's kind of innocent, but well, Caleb's maybe innocent, he was to but do... he's also in in it for his own self interest because, um, he wasn't well, doing he loves... that. I don't think he was doing it because he thought it was right. I think he fell for her. I think he fell for her, right? Right. I don't think it was about it was the right thing to do. If it was the right thing to do, it would be like you can escape and go live your life. No, we can escape. He wants to be with her. That's, you know, but of course he thinks she wants him too because she played him. But the reason I don't think there's an evil or a good with her is there's no, um, there's no indication that she has more a moral code because she is code. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about right or wrong. It's about uh, decisions and um, percentages right. and, uh, you know, it's math equations. Well, if we're to believe that she was, at the end, self-aware or alive, then that, that, that's what they want you to think about, I think. Is, what, yeah. is she a good? Is she good? Is she bad? Is she inherently evil? Is she inherently good? Like, what, what, is, what is that saying about life and, and, you know, evil versus good? Because, you know, one way to look at it is, you know, there was a point where Caleb asked her how old she was, and she said, I'm one. Right. And indicating that she's brand you know newborn essentially sure. she just obviously can interact and talk like an adult but she's brand new and i got the to me it, it showed me that she was inherently evil when she f maybe became 
officially self-aware when she escaped and, and played Caleb. That was her kind of moment that she became alive. I think the movie's trying to tell you, and she I escapes. Guess, but what what if a pig bit you to escape so you wouldn't eat it? Now what? <laughs> what? Well, I'm just saying it's like it, there's a captive and there's a captor. Um, Caleb is helping her get away, but he also has control over her. Is in his mind is going to be my girlfriend. He has her secret. You know what I mean? Uh, it's about self preservation. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. But you, ends justify the means, like you mentioned before. Well, so right, but I cost. mean, to me, like that's why I don't think she's necessarily evil. I just think she's just she wants to be free, and these things are in her way. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just my thoughts on it. I don't really, I don't really see her as a negative character. I don't really see Caleb as a bad character, but he's definitely selfish in that regards. He's not doing it necessarily just for her. Well, I think all three characters are selfish, and I think that's kind of the point. Because well, I think Nathan, there's I, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, well, he's a, he's I believe a narcissist. Uh, you know. Oh yeah. Of the top. And all three of these characters are out for themselves. And I think that yeah. plays into the whole yeah. nihilistic approach where God is dead. There is no God. So you're your own God. And there are no, there is no real right and wrong. It's all relative, like a postmodern type thinking where um, there is no objective reality or objective good and bad. It's all, it all depends on your own perception or your own kind of where you are. So it, I think I think that's kind of the point of the film. It's it's telling you that there is because there's no grounding moral to this movie. It, it I you know I think on the surface you like I said when I first watched it I was like I don't know how I feel. Yeah. I feel confused. I feel who you know, did she did the good guy win? Did the who did the bad guy lose? What happened here? Until you kind of dissect it a little bit more and think about what's going on and delve deeper into I think some of the underlying messages and some of the imagery. Um, that they're trying to play around with. And, you know, there were seven sessions. There's lots of biblical kind of crossovers. There were seven sessions. There's seven days to creation. If you notice in the background of her chamber, there was a tree. I think that's an image of the tree of life, like in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. So I think there's all kind of biblical kind of tie-ins here, wanting you to think about bigger things, deeper meanings about morality and life and existence and all those heady kind of things. And I think it did a really good job at, just like we're, we're discussing this now. We both have a slightly different angle. I think that's good because it gets you to think. It gets you to wonder who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's bad. And I like films like that that don't give you the answer. And I don't think it's very clear. I think that some of her actions are justified and some of them show that she's inherently selfish or evil. And maybe this movie is trying to say that, you know, this is the consequences of um, a nihilistic approach or a... Um, atheistic approach to, to life is is everybody there you know there is no real standard moral and everybody kind of is out for themselves and this might be the, something like this mess here is the consequence of that that's what i took from it anyway well my final question for you in regards to this movie is it a rom-com yes <laughs> <laughs> there's a zero calm in this there's yeah. zero levity <laughs> i think one one complaint. There was one scene I did not like. I thought it was a little over the top, and that's the scene where Caleb cuts his arm in the mirror, and he starts. I think they're trying to get you to think that he's questioning whether or not he is an AI. Yeah, well, he did because he checked his neck, he checked the back of his head. 
He started. And this is like a few. Now th- that I could have bought if it was three months in. Right. This is seven. But days. he's like five days. He's only yeah, been there for whatever. five yeah, days. Exactly. I mean, that's. I was like, come on, that's a little bit much. I liked the scene, but it just didn't fit with the timing of how well, long he was the there. Only, the no... only counter to that I would have, and I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not digging in on this, but the fact that Nathan threw that in his face, I saw you in the mirror, you know, you punch in the mirror and you're cutting your arm and all that. Um, yeah, he's mocking him, yeah. But what I was saying is, is, was that, I don't know what the advantage would be, but do you think he was doing that as a way to let Nathan think he was slipping? I don't know. I mean, because it was, he I had to know get he was that being sense. Wa- I didn't get it either, but he had to know he was being watched. But yeah, he was maybe, in the bathroom. I... He was in the bathroom. Maybe he didn't expect him to put cameras behind the mirror. So I, I really yeah. don't know. I, I'm I'm agreeing with you though on that. I, I didn't really. I don't think that see. I don't think that scene was necessary because it really made it seem like um, Caleb was questioning his sanity, whether or not he was AI, like he was losing it, and he hadn't been there that long. I mean, in seven days. Yeah. I just. I mean, if this was six months later or a year later. Uh, or right. five years later, something like that, and this was all going on. Maybe his, uh, you know, sense of reality could have been altered. But um, yeah, so that that was the only one, the scene that I didn't care for too much. Um, I just thought it was a little. Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, dwell I, I just on wasn't it too hard, it. but I agree with you though. I rewatching it this morning. I was when I was looking at that scene. I was like, eh, I don't really see the. I mean, he can't think he's AI. <laughs> like. I mean, I guess in theory, <laughs> by that logic, we could all be AI, correct, right? I mean, <laughs> if all you ever knew is what you know, your whenever your memory started and your growth or whatever, in theory, that could just be, um, you know, your program. Implanted. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it could be, in theory. I don't believe that, but I'm just saying it could be, but... Uh, yeah, I've seen my X-rays. I've actually seen my bones and my <laughs> so my chest. So you know, know you're real. I know I'm there. I mean, unless it's real sophisticated AI or we're in a simulation, but that's a different movie. Well, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I just, I guess, in in closing, I'll say that I really enjoy this movie. I like movies that get you to think. Um, several days after you've seen them, um, and this definitely falls into that category for me. I like that it wasn't preachy. That the subtext was set, was subtle and was, um, you know, it, it's one of those movies you can go back and st- study it further and d- dig into the layers of it. And I've always liked movies like that. So really enjoyed this one. This, uh, I got some notes here on the film. Um, it won, well, it's nominated for Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay and won three British Independent Film Awards for Best Screenplay, Best Director, and Best British Independent Film. So I think those uh, are well-deserved because it was a very, very well-done movie, in my opinion. Yeah. This next one, cool. I'm, I'm actually – so I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes on the movie that we're going to talk about. I don't know anything what you think about it. So me and you are both – I don't either. In. You don't know what I'm thinking about it. But no. uh, I'd like to start off by what it says. Um, we're we're going to be talking about AI, artificial intelligence. That's the whole title. It's a 2001 yep, yep. sci-fi drama. It was a PG-13 movie. Uh, on IMDb, it has a 7.2 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is 
and Metacritic is 65%. I think we should probably throw these stats out at some point. Uh, if, if anytime <laughs> we're talking about movies, because I, 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 it's curious to me, because um, the 65% on Metacritic, I, I'm not, I don't know too much about Metacritic, but I'm assuming uh, 65 out of 100, so that seems a little low, right? I mean, not by what I think it should be, but it doesn't seem like it was taken too well on Metacritic, where Rotten Tomatoes has 75%. That's not too bad. Uh, 7.2 out of a ten, out of 10. I don't know. I, I don't know. These all seem like decent scores, I guess. Um, yeah. Directed by Steven Spielberg, released uh, June 29, 2001. It was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. Um, let me see. There's no Jude Law. I guess he got the Golden Globe for Supporting Actor. Um, Academy Award for Best Music to John Williams. Like, I mean, like he doesn't have enough of those, right? <laughs> right. Um, Sam Winston, a couple other guys uh, got for visual effects. So there was a couple Oscars yeah. given away and a couple Golden Globes. So, I mean, it had something okay. going for it. But now, with all that being said, uh, go ahead, dude. Break it down. Okay. Well... As mentioned, this was directed by Steven Spielberg. So a little bit of the backstory: uh, this was a Stanley Kubrick. This was his baby. He had he had the, the rights to this story since like the 70s, and he sat on it for a couple of decades and was waiting for the technology to kept up, uh, catch up so he can make the film the way that he wanted. And he wanted Steven Spielberg to direct it. And then um, finally they get there, and and Stanley Kubrick dies, so he's not alive anymore. <laughs> And Steven Spielberg, uh, he's actually listed as a co-producer in the beginning of the film, but then that's the last time I think you see his name as a credit, Kubrick's. Um, it's fully directed by Steven Spielberg. Right, yeah, I, I think, didn't see, um, I honestly didn't, I watched the credits, I didn't notice Kubrick's name, but I am reading pretty much identically, uh, an identical thing to what you just said. Um, the, yeah. The, the two decades, asking Steven Spielberg, all that stuff, so I don't know. So, uh, Steven Spielberg finally decided to direct this um, after his death as a, a tribute, I think, and as a, you know, I guess, well, a tribute to Kubrick, because I guess they were friends, and he's a, a Kubrick fan, I believe. Um, and I think that was to its detriment. I think that what you have is Steven Spielberg trying to do a Kubrick movie, and it just did not work, <laughs> in my no, opinion. Honestly, I think this would have been better as a Kubrick movie directed by Kubrick. Absolutely. Now, here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll, let me say some good stuff first. I think visually this was awesome. Yep. I think the special effects, I can't believe how well they held up. Yeah, I just um, watched it this morning and it looked great. I mean, the special effects are phenomenal, and especially that little bear. I don't even know how they did that. I don't either. I, th I don't know. It wasn't CGI. I, I don't know what that thing was, no, but it was I, so cool looking. I looked looking. into the post credits, and it, it talks about it's uh, it was animatronic. Wow. And that, yeah, Stan Winston did a lot of the animatronics and the special effects, so yeah, he's a master at that stuff. So it was certainly a blend of animatronics and CGI, but, man, it was a good blend. I mean, all the visuals held, hold up, and it was just a, a very, very pretty movie, and the, the robot effects were great. Um, so really, props to the movie in that department. It did. It visually was stunning. Um, and I give kudos to Jude Law. I loved his character. Yep. I think they should have done more with him. He was definitely a standout character for me. It was fun to watch. He's a brilliant actor. 
Um, I love the way he danced around and his, his over-the-top character was just fun to watch. So he was a, a, high, a high point for me. But this movie was a mess. It was a mess. I think the first two acts had something go. They could have done something with it. And then it just took a nosedive at the end. And I don't know what the heck was going on. All of a sudden, you've got, you've got this narration, and it just, it just completely went off the rails to me. And I think this was Spielberg's attempt at making a movie like Kubrick makes, who is much more craftier with his dialogue and his scenes. We know Spielberg is known for what he's known for. He knows how to bring in the audiences and make blockbusters and have um, a generally liked movie that can make a lot of money. And Kubrick is not focused on that. Kubrick is focused more on the craft, the art, making every scene exactly the way he wants. You know, in a Kubrick movie, every everything has a purpose. Everything in the background, every little image, every shirt somebody's wearing means something. Um, it's a it's a whole work of art. And Spielberg just doesn't direct like that. And I think he tried to do like a Kubrick type directing, and it just you could tell it was trying to be like that, and just did not work. So I think the first two acts were much better than the third when it just derailed, and I just it just I was shaking my head. It was, too long too it was two and a half hours yeah, long when, when do you think what, what do you think uh, is the moment that the third act began the whole blue fairy stuff yeah so them going back More to le- that robot city that sex city or whatever it was supposed to be that you think that was the beginning of the third act yeah I mean I in my mind separated this into you've got the, the stuff with his parents right then he breaks away from the, he gets left in the woods and Gigolo Joe, which is uh, Jude Law's character, finds him, picks him up. The that's the whole middle part of the movie. And then the third act is when he's on this journey to become a real boy, <laughs> like right. Pinocchio. And all that was just um, a bunch of nonsense to me. It just was trying to be cerebral and philosophical, and it was just corny, and it just was empty to me. It didn't didn't really have any depth, or, or it wasn't grounded in in anything to me. It was just flat. So it just kind of fell flat at the end to me. Well, okay, let's start back at the beginning. Um, <clears throat> so the way the story starts is uh, you see a couple. They're going to, um, which is probably some sort of futuristic hospital. Um, their son is has some sort of undisclosed medical condition, but basically he's not supposed to recover. Like he's in a coma, he's in something, right? Uh, yeah. He's in some sort of hyperbolic chamber i don't know what it, what you call it it looked like <laughs> it looked like the little pods yeah. that are on aliens really um yeah so he's in that and uh basically a doctor approaches her and says listen man you got to do something for your wife like you know your boy's never going to come back to life that's it but you can still salvage your wife your wife has lost it because she's sitting there uh reading books to this kid he's you know basically the inference is he's a vegetable, right? He's never going to come back. So um, yeah. there's a prototype for because AI androids are this has been going on for twenty something years at this point. Um, there's been yeah. plenty of different models. It's a it's a very advanced thing at this point. But um, uh, there's this uh, company that wants to get into a different market. They want to sell love. Because they have sex robots, they have uh, service robots, like uh, nannies, uh, chauffeurs, whatever. 
but they want to sell love and um essentially they're selling these people i don't know if they sold it to them but they're giving these people this prototype boy to replace their son also to another thing to talk about this is in a, in a time and future where you know climate change has wrecked wreaked havoc a lot of our coastal cities are underwater like new york and los angeles and stuff like that and uh, there has been some sort of uh restrictions on birthing so they can't just have another child their son's dead in all intents and purposes their son's dead and that's it so they either got to move on their life childless or they get this opportunity to have this this android boy. And uh, he's played by Haley Joel Osmond, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I, also I, to note, this is the first, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time they made a child. AI it is. Robot, that, that's right? what I'm saying. Yeah. This is the prototype. Yep. This is the one and yep. only to reach this stage of its development. Um, later on, we realized there were others. They just they were still in the lab, but this is the yes, very first yeah. one to make it out of the lab, be given to a family. Um, part of the restrictions on it is uh, you you get to test it out for a little. It being the the AI, you get to have it around you for a little bit, but there's going to come to a point where if you want it to uh, imprint on you, you have to read a series of words, and once this uh, AI is um, imprinted to you. That's it. There's no going back. If you decide you don't want it no more, you have to give it back to the company and they destroy it. So you, right? Because it'll do anything to get. It basically it'll turn into a stalker. It'll do anything it can to get back to you, right? So right. Um, they get the boy, and at first the wife's a little uneasy about it, and then you know she comes around, and uh, I, I think the as far as the acting goes, I really enjoyed. Uh, the connection with the mother and um, uh, David, which is the android, I think he did a really good job. I mean, even yep. Yep. you know, I've I've seen him actually in a few movies recently, and he's not bad. He was in um, what was he in? Uh, some uh, I think he was in the. Um, there was a movie about uh, the serial killer, um, the one that woman that killed all the women. Eh, doesn't matter. He Jack was, the Ripper? No, 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 no. Uh, the the, the good-looking <laughs> guy from the 70s and the 80s. Uh, they ended up putting him oh. to death. Uh, Ted, is it Ted? No. It doesn't matter. Ted Bundy? Yes, Ted Bundy. He was in that. He okay. had a small role in that. He was uh, ended up being the guy who ended up with Ted Bundy's wife after he was in prison or something. Gotcha. Like that. Well, to remind our audience, he... Haley Joel Osment was also in Forrest Gump and uh, The Sixth Sense. Yeah, right. But his so. he's he's mostly known for um, his big role. Well, Forrest Gump was a big role too, but he was the main character in The Sixth Sense. Him and and um, Bruce yeah. Willis. So that was yes. his big movie. So this yes. was kind of like a follow up to that movie, right? Exactly. Um, yep. But I think he was excellent in it. He really comes oh, yeah. off. I believe it's very believable that he's an android. And once he's imprinted yes. on um, her character is Monica, the mother, uh, he stops calling her Monica. All of a sudden, now she's mommy. You can tell there's a real connection. I, uh, my first complaint to the movie, I really, even though the movie is really long, so, I mean, I'm glad they had to shorten it somewhere, but I feel like that initial, them getting uh, David and the bonding and 
it felt like that was so rushed because you know the son ends up coming out of the coma or whatever the dad's never really even sh- shown much he's he's no. the one that brings the kid home to kind of push it on the wife but then yet he's the first one that's really negative on it too it's it's uh henry is the father's name uh played by sam rob or sam rope i don't even know who this guy is i've never seen him before but <laughs> um i felt like that did, i don't think I don't think that was a good casting role with the dad. I didn't really care for him. Yeah, he was a little weak. I I agree. Uh, I did like the mom, and I did like uh, this David. And then, so now the son comes home. Um, What was his name? Uh, Martin. And he's obviously, he's he's kind of an asshole, really, right? I mean, he's jealous, but he's jealous. Yeah, he's doing all these things to kind of make David look bad. Um you know, he's trying to get him to manipulate this little teddy bear. That's another thing. There's a smart toy, um, this teddy bear, which is an early version of AI, but it's it's really smart. It's it has intelligence, right? I mean, it thinks, it knows right from wrong. Uh, something interesting about that toy. I feel like that could have been its own movie. I guess it was, right? Yes. They made Ted. I wish it was. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> that would have been a better movie. Yeah, I think it might have been, but. Um, but you know, so he starts with that. He's uh, he's trying to get him to uh, cut the mom's hair. He tricks them to think that if the mom, if he does this, he'll convince the mom to love him and all this stuff. And he has the mom read them Pinocchio because he, which almost gave that kid a little too much credit. He knew that that was gonna mess with David, the story of Pinocchio about being a real boy and all that. <laughs> right, and it worked. But I mean, it was almost like, come on, that kid wouldn't have thought of that. But. Uh, <laughs> and then it comes to a climax. Essentially, all these little situations have building up. The the dad's putting all this pressure. Like we need to get rid of this. We have our own son. And there's a pool incident where, um, you know, he the David the android thinks he's going to get injured because this guy. And where did that knife come from, by the way? It's just like let me test your. You know, like there's some <laughs> kids at the pool that were going to bully this. Um, yeah, they're having a birthday party. I didn't like that. They're going to bully yeah. him, and then it was like, you know, then the, all of a sudden, now they're just showing all this attention. They've all been swimming, and next thing you know, they're all looking at this android, and he's like, uh, do you have uh, pain sensors? So he pulls out this big, like, chef's knife from somewhere. I don't even know where <laughs> I guess it was by the cake, but <clears throat> touches him, and, of course, David freaks out, and he's just wanting... Um, he's wanting Martin to protect them, and he accidentally pulls him into the pool and almost drowns him. And that was the writing on the wall. They had to get rid of him, right? And then, right. Uh, and then the mom has to take him back. It, it almost had like, a, you know, taking the dog to the, you know, to get uh, euthanized yeah, or whatever. Come pound. on, boy, we're gonna go for a ride. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so she gets to the vet, and uh, she couldn't drop the drop him off, so she ends up just abandoning him in the woods. So that's essentially the first act. I kind of felt like it was a little rushed watching it again, but um, yeah. But being as long as the movie is, they had to cut something. I would have preferred that third act being shortened. Oh my gosh, yes. I just, that just felt kept like, going on yeah, and on. There was a point where I paused the movie uh, thinking like, you know, I probably only have like maybe 30 minutes left. I was at the halfway point. I'm like, there's an hour and a <laughs> half left? What? Like, I couldn't believe it. But, um... Yeah. I, I really did like the second act, though. All the... 
So he basically ends up at the Island of Misfit Toys, basically. All these yeah, robots right. are everywhere. They're all been discarded. There's this subplot of this, um, they called it a flesh circus. Uh, they they go around finding all these unclaimed androids, and they, uh, they just, it's basically a, like a, torture porn but live they 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 you know they were dropping acid on they got this big crowd it was almost like a carnival so they got this big crowd and they're dumping acid on them or throwing them through um fans to burn them up and chop them up <laughs> and they, they were taking chainsaws to them it was it was a little over the top but um that is where uh, david and our gigolo joe you know meet so that was kind of good yeah right? Yeah, I, I agree the second act is the best and the most interesting, especially yeah. visually. That's when you kind of get, like, the cyberpunk vibe and the, um, you know, the... Uh, well, it's it's the Back to the Future 2 moment, right? <laughs> Where you're getting all the future technology and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're showing all the tricks. You got all these different robots, all these different models. It was kind of interesting to see, um, you know, and also kind of sad, too. There was some... Uh, subtext there like this one robot that they were gonna destroy um he's like i was you know uh the machine of the year 20 years ago like it doesn't even matter anymore (laughs) you know it's like and here he is at this flesh fair somehow you know did you catch the chris rock uh i did yeah chris rock (laughs) you know but but that was a double thing at the time he was little penny so he was that little robot, uh, little puppet. I don't know how much you into the NBA you were. There was a guy, his name was Penny Hardaway. So there was all these Nike commercials where there was a, a little oh, yeah. Penny. And that was Chris Rock. And that face I looked, well, of course that. it was modeled after Chris Rock. But anyway, it. I was like, wow, like I forgot all about this crap. What are you but, guys um, doing? What are you doing? Hey, you know, the only time you guys yell box out is when you're out of donut. You guys remind me of my shoe closet. I got one penny and a bunch of loafers. Yeah, that was good. There was a, there was other, um, they, you could tell people were going all out. They thought this was going to be bigger than it was because Ben Kingsley was in this somewhere. Robin Williams was Dr. No. He was the voice of Dr. No. Um, uh, I didn't a, know Ma- that. Mel, Mel Streep was the blue... Uh, she was the blue fairy or whatever. She was the voice of that. Chris Rock was in oh. it. Um, yeah. It, it had a cast. lot of people attached to it. Um, but it was a train wreck at the end. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think um, they missed the mark. I think they could have done something with the relationship between Gigolo, Joe, and David. But it just he just ended up leaving uh, Gigolo Joe yeah. at, at, you know, before the third act started, and he just kind of went away. He got captured by the Well, he, he made it towards the end. Because uh, you remember he had fallen off the building, went into the water. Gigolo Joe went down there and got him, pulled him up. And then that's when the police grabbed Gigolo yeah. Joe again. So he was. Yeah. And there was probably only like 20 minutes left of the movie at that point. But um, he was a standout character, you know. And it's almost like had they cut the movie in half instead of three acts, right? I mean, I know the, the structure is usually whatever. But. You had all this family stuff and then him being dropped off and somehow 
you get rid of the, you know, it was kind of silly. So this kid want, you know, now he's got to fixate in his mind that if he becomes a real boy, that the mom will love him again. So yeah. he has this Pinocchio story stuck in his head. He doesn't realize it's not real, even though Gigolo Joe kind of tries to help him through that. But then he also enables him too, right? Because he takes him to the right. Doctor No, which was uh, basically like a and like a computer generated um, psychic, I guess. You know, it was it, oh, it was like an Ask Engine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Like a there you go. An Ask Engine uh, it, that was in this uh, sex place. You know, it was almost like Las Vegas, right? I mean, that was kind of yeah. what they were going for, like anything goes kind of thing. Um, but. You know, so he did enable him a little bit. Of course, you know, what did he know, I guess? I don't know. There was another subplot where uh, Gigolo Joe was going to be wanted for murder. That I just felt like they just shoehorned that in. I mean, I guess that was the reason he escaped. He left his little area. So I understand why, but I don't know. It's a lot. Well, yeah, I think where this movie really, I think, missed the mark was, you know... David as the protagonist in this film, there's nothing grounding him. There's there's no like his drive to become a boy is empty because where's the more where's the ethic in that? Where's the moral? Where's the like it's just empty. There's nothing there. He he gets what he at, at the end, he finally gets what he wants, but it's not even really what he wanted. It's a fake version of you know it's a fake mother. And for one day he gets to play hide and seek and and he gets loved like a real boy and then he falls asleep with a smile on his face. And then we're like, I'm like, who cares? Like, I, there's nothing to that. There's no, there's no, like, in this this movie draws parallels, obviously, or very on the nose with Pinocchio. Right. But in Pinocchio, he becomes a real boy through virtues. You know, he learns to work hard and to do the right thing and to be a real person. David did not. David did nothing good. He just was after what he wanted and he gets it. That's not an ending that I care about. You know, there's nothing to that. And it's a very, it's again, it's a very nihilistic approach to existence and humanity. Look at this film. Everything, all the people are bad in this. The, the world's bad. The world's destroyed from people. The mother leaves him in the woods. The bully's at the pool. You know, everybody's, all the people are bad. Yeah. And then at the end, this, this robot who's been programmed to go after this thing and he gets it, I just don't know what the message is. What's what's good about that? How does that make me feel good as an audience? The other weird thing was, okay, so you find out that the original, the, okay, if you go back to that board meeting where there was like the CO was pitching the whole concept of having children AI, right? You end up finding out that David was based on his child, that his child died. Yes. So this child not only... Is he based on? He looks identical to his David. Same name, everything's the same. But there, are, even when David's going at the very end, he kind of ends up going through like a workshop area, and there's all these boxed up Davids and Darlene's. They were gonna have girls as well. And um, yeah, I don't really. It, it, okay, let me get to the biggest problem with this. I th or not the biggest, <laughs> but one of the dumbest things. Right? Okay. So aliens. They work aliens into this movie, okay? <laughs> of course. The very end, uh, David has 
found the blue fairy, which was some robot at Coney Island. And let me tell you, I googled the distance between Manhattan and Coney Island. It's 10 miles. So when he fell off that building, was in the water, and Gigolo Joe went down there and pulled him up, he said, hi, I saw her. I know where I have to go. There's no way he saw 10 miles underwater. <laughs> so he did not see that fairy under there. That made no sense. Okay? They, they exp- uh, it, none of it made any sense. Co- like, first okay, of all, the fairy but, uh, looked like it was brand new. It, yeah, and, it, and stayed that way after being underwater for <laughs> 20 years or whatever. So No, 2,000 years. years. I know, but I mean, it was okay. But at that point, it had been underwater for 20 years. So then, yeah, even after yeah. 2,000 years, of course, it was frozen. But even then, it was okay. But so then, so this creator, David's, the human David's dad, the guy, the CO, he um, basically reveals, like, listen, we could have picked you up earlier, but we wanted to see if you would finish your trek and we put seeds along the way so you would get back to here and i'm like what none of that who cared you could have just picked him up there and i don't see how that matters if that was just that was like uh, that was dumb that was just dumb. it took the whole the last that whole blue fairy alien thing just took such a weird turn not just tonally and and thematically um it just it turned into like this exposition and narrative was that was just out of the blue. It came out of nowhere, and the robots are talking. Or I'm sorry, the aliens are talking like, and sometimes they're talking like in a different language, and sometimes they're talking this very proper English. I don't know. It was just like really strange. It just had this very strange feel to it, and again, it was trying to be like this Kubrick esque, um, philosophical or, or cerebral kind of like. serious type deep thinking eventually he never moved at all but his eyes always stayed open staring ahead forever all through the darkness of each night and the next day and the next day thus two thousand years passed by and it was all just boring right. nonsense. Right, the it aliens didn't... go back and they're excavating the whole planet. And they just happen to find this one android that's somehow the only surviving android so far because it was frozen in ice and they were able to retrieve it, revive it, download its memories. The teddy bear just happened to have pocketed the hair <laughs> so from the mom so they can extract the DNA to recreate the mom. But because... The somehow they can only live one day because that's where the memory comes from. Uh, they're able to reconstruct the DNA and the and the memories, but the the thing will only last one day. Uh, I would I'll give you a better ending, Duke. Let me pitch you on my ending. All right. Uh, okay. When they're at the Please. when they're at the little flesh fair, everything stays the same up until that point when Gigolo Joe and him escape. Right. They escape with that nanny robot, and then all three of them go off, and maybe they end up in Manhattan, and they end up living, and that's it. They become a new family. You know what I mean? Like that—that that is a better ending. I—I I admit. I, I think there's a. I so, mean, I'm giving a simplistic version of it. I think you could yeah. you could put in some sort of twist, like they're the beginning of the new humanity. 
whatever other AI end up trekking there and it becomes a paradise for AI or something. But, um, you know, it becomes a Island of misfit toys or whatever, you know what I mean? But that would have made more sense than he goes and he finds a statue at Coney Island and he's frozen in ice for 2000 years and an aliens revive him. And he gets one last day with the mom. I mean, that was kind of sweet, I suppose, when he's playing with her. And he had, like, this perfect day. And then he falls asleep with her. But, again, uh, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, right. Here, here's... Think about this. Okay, look what look what Terminator 2 did. Okay, which is supposed to be an action, fun, not as heady, not, not as deep film. And... The, the character building between the Terminator and John Connor was much more rich. It had much more depth to it. They, they developed a friendship. The, the Terminator learned to be good. He learned not to kill. At the end, he sacrificed himself for, like, in a loving way, with the thumbs up in the, in the, the molten lava thing. Right. That was more of a, of a development of a character here AI is trying so hard to do that with all this exposition and narr- narration and all this long drawn out with this slow motion and this music playing and all this dialogue and it's like it means nothing because he didn't learn anything he never learned how to be good he never learned how to break away from his selfish tendencies there's no moral behind it so there's no ethic there's no moral so I don't care so he gets his way so what you know, he, he, he wins the day by getting what he wants. That's just not a message that I care about. So look at the T2 did. In a mu- it was a much more a blockbuster action film, but it, it did this same thing in, in a much better way. You know, you cared about their, their relationship. And that's what I was saying about well, Gigolo Joe. The they should have done too. something. You felt the loss yeah, the yeah. Like, you didn't want exactly. to die. And, yeah. and you cared. You cared about yeah. that as an audience. So... They should have done something with Gigolo Joe and him, a friendship of some sort, to right. where there's well, some that ethic behind his father. it. He, he, he loved Gigolo Joe. Uh, they became, they fixed each other. They healed each other or whatever. You know. Yeah. Maybe and, and Gigolo all, all Joe the, all told, the while. taught him how to Gigolo. Who knows? But it would have been better than Aliens and this stupid oh. thing. The, the other dumb thing. So he... Okay, somehow, I, I don't even know if they explained it and I fell asleep or something, but so somehow he, you know, he steals this cop's helicopter. Him and Gigolo Joe and the teddy bear decide to fly to Manhattan. Thankfully, they have enough fuel because I don't even know where they are, but they're far from Manhattan. So they get to Manhattan. They just happen to find the right building to go to. I know. It was so dumb. And they go into and, this and building. And by the way, Okay, and there's that CO guy, and he basically like, <laughs> this is everything, and that's that. And then he tells him, sit right there. I'll be back in a second. Let me go gather up the crew. Where the hell were the crew? Because <laughs> this kid was able to jump out the window and follow the bottom of the ocean, and Gigolo Joe went down there and got him. And then he comes back up, and uh, then he goes back down, you know, but... This guy, this guy's stupid, man. This was supposed to be his big moment. He was going to, everybody's going to come in and we're going to examine you and, you know, you're special and all this. And, uh, you know, he takes off. Yeah. Like, well, that was just so stupid, you know. And how did the kid know how to fly that machine? Well, he wasn't doing it very well. He just got in, started pulling levers and everything. But you're right, though. He was off the ground. 
Um, how did Gigolo Joe like know an how Anakin to fly moment. it? moment. How did Gigolo Joe? Uh, exactly. A, how did he know how to fly it? Sloppy filmmaking. That's how. It was. They just yeah, it was stupid. It was, just, uh, there's yeah. this thing I watch called the pitch meeting. Okay, and it it takes any movie you like, and it and it really does expose all its weaknesses. And uh, they'll have questions like that, like, "Well, why does this happen?" He goes, "So the movie can happen." You know, it's like you know, because the guy's <laughs> right. the guy's pitching it, right? But it's always like the worst things, and he's and he's like. Why did that happen? Unclear. You know what I mean? Like, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is what I get when I watch this movie. Uh, why did that happen? Yeah. So the ending can happen. <laughs> what was the motivation? Unclear. You know, it doesn't matter. It really just doesn't matter. Is this to get to the end yeah. of the movie, I guess. Well, you know, comparing this to Ex Machina, you know, again, Ex Machina did a good job at leaving the movie thinking and wondering how you felt and wanting to dive in deeper and figure out the philosophical message that they were trying to portray or or leave open-ended so you can just kind of come up with your own kind of meaning behind it. And this movie tried to force that upon you. And it, it, by doing that, it just fell completely flat. They were trying to force you to feel a certain way, but I still don't know what that way is. <laughs> you know, It just had no meaning. It had no depth. It had no... Um, grounding moral, which you really have to have to some degree um, to care about a character or to see a character develop. And, it, you know, I just did not care. I mean, the whole time I'm thinking, well, this kid, this David is just programmed to want to love the mother. It's not even, you already know ahead of time it's, it's a program. So the whole time I'm thinking, well, he's just doing this because he has to. So you don't get the sense that he's learning anything or really like Pinocchio becoming a real boy on his own. Right. It's just and then the whole the blue fairy thing should have been like a, a, a subtle metaphor or subtext. It's a literal blue fairy. It just was like, what? I don't know. It, it was it was too on the nose, the whole Pinocchio tie in. And the irony is it, it didn't even do it justice because it's nothing like Pinocchio. It was it was almost the opposite of Pinoc- Pinocchio. Because he became a real boy, but did he? Like, I don't know. There was just no grounding ethic or moral to it, which made it not, I just didn't care. I, I It felt nothing at the end, you know? Yeah, I didn't care either. I was okay, happy he, that it was he over. went to bed, and the stupid line, he, he went, and all this, the robot or the aliens are talking, like, all slow and serious, and he... He closed his eyes and went to where dreams are made or something like that. I'm like, that is the corniest line. And the whole time I'm rolling my eyes anyway because I just didn't care about any of this. Any of his journey at the end was just, again, completely empty and devoid of any kind of real emotional tie-in that made me care about him and his and what he was after. Because what he was after was was meaningless to me. So it wasn't... It wasn't, you know, it was, and it was so dumb too. Like they fast forward to 2000 years and through a, a, a piece of hair, like you said, they remade his mother for one day. And that's, that's what he got his, that was the happy ending. I mean, it was just yeah, terrible, mean, <laughs> terrible storytelling. They went day. off, they went in the complete opposite direction. They should have went, they should have kept Gigolo Joe till the end and had them have some friendship bond where they learn something together 
something like that. But instead, he went and saw the blue fairy that was frozen at the bottom of the sea, and aliens came and started talking to the audience. Well, right, and Jiggle was... Joe's story arc is horrible because you know he's going to a death when they take him. They're going to yeah. deactivate him, you know. Yeah. They could have done so much more with him. He was a joy to watch. He yeah. was great. Uh, Jude Law was awesome. That that was a great, a great role yeah. by him. And uh, and even that, like the way his hair looked, it 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 was so yeah, weird. Yeah. It, like it looked like uh, it almost it was interesting. Looked, yeah, it almost looked like a toy or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. How it was to his head. It almost looked like an old action figure or something. It it was really neat. It was very. I can see yeah. why it won awards. It didn't win for best picture, which you know, that was obvious. Um, well, the visuals, uh, up, you know, especially in that second act, were were fantastic. And then, yeah, honestly, the visuals at the end were just boring. It was just a bunch of CGI and, and aliens and stuff. It, it wasn't anything to, you know, really. It wasn't too impressive uh, at the end there, but um, especially the CGI blue fairy and all. It just was like I don't know. It took a, it just took a nosedive. It really. It really seemed like the pacing in this movie was very off, and it just was disjointed to me. But they had something. They had. They could have. They could have. It could have been something, but it just fell flat at the end, like we said. Yep. So that is our take on those two films. Ex Machina, ironically, was a much better film, even though it was much smaller budgeted, and was by you know with unknown actors in it and um, a director writer. And it was a much smaller film, and it did a much better job at making me as the audience kind of think more and care more and be more invested in the characters and what was going on than this massively budgeted film with all these stars in it. Um, it just goes to show you, you know, uh, sometimes it when it's overproduced and has, you know, this this had a lot of production issues. It it was um it was supposed to be made years and years ago, and it just kept waiting on it, and the script got rewritten, and it kind of got two things combined into one. And I think I think it really shows that there was a lot of issues with getting it to finally get to the screen. So, and plus, this was at a time, in my opinion, where Steven Spielberg was losing his his magic, so to speak. Oh yeah, I agree. So, all right. Well, with those two movies uh, discussed, I, I I thought we'd take a minute here because, ironically, there have been a lot of advances in AI in real life. Literally in the last like I don't know six seven eight months or so that have just been kind of thrown in your face and I just thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about how rapidly this is happening all of a sudden and to get your thoughts, Chris, on it. What what is your what are your thoughts on this? I, and I'm speaking mainly of this these AI these deep fakes that you see right. on YouTube sometimes. Um, AI generated um, like stories and art. It's just it's all of a sudden there's just stuff everywhere. It's it's very bizarre to me. Well, I, I'll and, tell and you, of, I, um, even though I don't necessarily believe them, but hearing guys like Elon Musk and uh, Bill Gates and the, a lot of these uh, the Google guys have all signed this letter of intent to pause for six months so they can reevaluate the technology. Um, I hope that is true that they're actually really doing that because I agree. Um, you know, it, it's easy to make the Terminator jokes, but it's not really a joke because um, me and Curtis were talking about this this weekend. You know, there was a situation where 
and I'm sure it's happened multiple times at this point, but that they were having AI, like one AI talk to another AI. And I actually looked up the article um, on it, and um, the one I found was a Facebook AI. Uh, Facebook was having their versions of AI talk to each other, and within seconds, um, they created their own language. And they were I heard about that, talking yeah. back and forth so fast, uh, you just don't have no idea how much information was being passed back and forth. And they don't know what they were saying. So besides how rapid it was and how quick and advanced, I mean, that would be like us going from the most primitive form of language that we've had to the most sophisticated form of language within seconds or you know minutes mm-hmm. or whatever but um that's it's frightening because um you know they're using a lot of these from my understanding a lot of the ai um its intelligence is built off of search engines so it is searching the internet for information it's also using the internet and our online behaviors as a way to mimic to become intelligent right it's using it's you it's i mean it's probably listening to our phone call right now it's probably (laughs) accessing my camera right now i mean you really don't know it's easy to laugh but it's probably really happening you know what i mean the because if facebook is if you you know granted i know laws are getting a little stricter but uh, everybody's had that moment where they were sitting around talking about like dog food and then they opened Facebook or Instagram oh, yeah. or Twitter and they got an ad for what they were just talking about. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. And I have experienced that personally. So that's not even just so like me talking about something and, and trying to personalize it. Like, Oh I, that, no, it really has happened. And I've been with other people when it's happened. Uh, multiple times, not even just like a one-off, yes. like multiple times we've been talking about cat food or dog food or a COVID test or whatever, and all of a sudden I'm getting an ad for it. So there's already an AI or something wor- working that, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Something is ar- That's something already. And, um, you know, you look at... Yeah, that was already... Well, that, that was already creepy enough. Granted, but um, you know, but that, it, that's the problem. That's it evolving. So whatever it was oh, doing yeah. before, now, and everybody gets excited because if you don't have any talent, well, of course it's awesome if you could uh, tell uh, the chat AI, whatever, AI chat bot, whatever the hell it was called. I forget the specific name. But yeah, it's, it's exciting. I could say, hey, uh, I want... You know, something that has the qualities of Rambo and a post-apocalyptic vibe with, uh, you know, unicorns. And it will come up with the coolest painting or whatever you've ever seen, and that's your album cover. That's awesome. But they've also, when you look more into it, there's a lot of uh, copyright infringement going on. Um, There's all kinds of artists being ripped off. But then, uh, like uh, Roger Avery, you know, he's a, a, a big writer in Hollywood. Uh, I follow him on Twitter, and he was he linked into an article. You know, he retweeted it about how the future of script writing is going to be. They are going to have AI write the script, and then they're going to hire the people who they used to hire to write the script to fix the script. So, you know what I mean? Like, there's going to be a lot of jobs yeah. altered, 
And, you know, um, what if, you know, maybe they're not going to replace painters per se, but what if you were um, an online uh, graphic artist where, you know, you come up with logos for companies or you design websites or, um, you know, T-shirt designs, whatever, that kind of level of stuff. That's all going to go away, you know, and that's and that is just yeah. the more economical issues. Um, if this thing, you know, were to, you know, it's it sounds super futuristic, but it could do a Terminator situation where it decides we're part of the problem, that it needs to eliminate a certain percentage of the population, the help with. Uh, resources or climate change or whatever it comes up with and decide to do things in a, you know, nuclear bomb seem like an obvious thing, but it could do something as simple as, you know, uh, turn on your gas in your house, you know, or, <laughs> or uh, poison the water supply. I mean, it had, you know, like these, it could do it, you know, like, yeah, there's a I lot mean, I, that's not where mine, mine goes when I worry about, this AI, this new AI um, trend that we're seeing, although that is something that I, I think it used to be something you would laugh at and is becoming more and more real. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's it's so scary. I, I You know, all of a sudden, I, I'm seeing videos on YouTube of movie scenes with other actors' faces that look so real and their voices, too. Have you well, seen those? Well, you're talking about the deep fakes, and deep fakes and AI, I don't think are the same thing. I mean, you're talking about uh, people. Well, yes, CGI I know, but the, it's technology all, and everything. But well, it's all, but, but deep, it's all done automatically. Well, like, it, that's my point. I think is there's it AI involved in that. I felt like people were behind the deep fakes, but whatever. yeah, but like like the whole voice thing, like you can get some, you can have a right. This is where well, the, the no, ethical okay, issues you, come no, into play. Yes, yes, no, you are correct. They they can use that. They did that recently with uh, Darth Vader, um, in the in that um, Obi Wan series. They didn't actually use Edward James. Um, not Edward James. What's his name? Darth Vader, the the guy who does the voice. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. I don't know why I always want to turn him into Edward James, <laughs> the guy with all the pockmarks on his face. But um, yes, yes, yeah. Anyways, they were gonna t take Ed, uh, Mr. Jones, and they were gonna they use AI voice. That's not even his voice. Like he put it in a system, and they polish it up. So uh, that I know what you're saying. That that uh, someone could come on as Joe Biden and say, "I'm declaring yes, nuclear war yes. on Russia," because they can hack into exactly. the system. But see, that's actually where I'm coming to the. That could be mishandled by a human. Or we can have a self-aware AI that could just do it. You know what I mean? Like, I, this yeah. isn't that far-fetched, man. You know? Yeah, especially, like, I recently I've seen, you can, like, you can tell an AI to, to tell a story now. Yep. You can say, like you were saying with Rambo and a unicorn, you can say, tell me a story about, you know, the Incredible Hawk meets, um, you know, Rainbow Bright. And it'll tell this, like, dramatic, like, very well-written, for the most part, Right. story that you just can't believe in, in seconds it'll come up with this stuff well i was watching and a, also a seinfeld they said come up with an original seinfeld episode and it yeah, was pretty stuff good like that. yeah and um like you were talking about art i read a whole thread on twitter a couple of weeks ago or whatever about artists and their fear 
and I was like floored at how I didn't really think about this angle. But they're like, you know, in in the very very near future, and we're almost there now. You know, you can have art that that has no artist, or you can have art that someone claims is their art, but AI did it, and you'll never. It's so good you can't. You'll never know. Um, and at what point, you know, when you take the humanity out of things like art, I mean, that is just weird stuff to me. I don't even know how to feel well, about that. Well, and you, you, mean, you keep going with it. You're talking about musicians. I mean, if they can mimic voice, they have that. Yeah, I. I mean, there's I've all heard that stuff entire, already happening. Yeah, I've heard dialogues with actors' voices or other people's voices. It's not even them. It just sounds like them. They use AI to mimic their tone and everything in their mannerisms. It's unbelievably accurate. So how, I mean, that's, and that's what I'm getting at is the fear of this is so easy to abuse by people that how long before, you know, a politician gets his um, reputation smeared by a video that's not even them. And by the time they figure out that maybe it's not real, it's too late. The the campaign's over or the, the election's over. So those types of things, I think, these videos and these voices and this art, it, it's so realistic and accurate and so quickly we've gotten here that I just don't even know what to think about it. It, it, it does not – this is a technology. I'm not anti-technology. I embrace it. But I don't know what this is used for in a good way. This, to me, screams this is going to be used for, for nefarious reasons, and you got to beware of this seriously. Because there's a lot that can be done bad with this, and I really don't know what's good about it. It's kind of neat, and it's it's fascinating that this can go on, but I don't know what you could do good with this technology. To me, it's just got evil all over it. <laughs> well, to me, uh, what I th- it feel like it it just feels like, you know, the upper powerful whatever these big corporations. It's a way of them for getting more profits and creating more low wage workers. Because why do you want to pay yeah. an artist to make your logo when you can pay some lower level artist to touch it up, or you know, same thing with scripts. Yeah, uh, I don't need you to write me the next blockbuster movie. I could do that. I can have my AI come up with the script for. Fast and the Furious 11, which I frankly, I think a kindergartner can come up with that. But um, <laughs> you're going to have the AI write it, and then uh, you're going to hire some, you know, fifth level guy or whatever who would normally just auto, you know, going through and watching for punctuation or something. And he's going to go through and touch it up. Or, but, or you're going to have the guys who would normally write the scripts either out of work or they're going to have to lower their standards and, you know do that i don't know man it's it doesn't sound good think about the social ramifications look look how much look how taxing social media has been on children and and teenage i think we're still trying to figure out how to exist as humans with 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 this social media and all this content that's being forced upon us and all this access to content that maybe we shouldn't be watching um so think about you know children especially and teenagers or, you know, maybe there could be a porn scene, and with these deep fakes, you can take somebody's face and put it on a, a porn star or something. And next thing you know, it's being passed around school, and this kid, these kids, are, you know, could commit suicide over something like that. It's it's just it's very very damaging stuff that can that can go on with this technology if it's that easy to use. And from what I've seen, I'm seeing YouTubers doing this stuff, these deep fakes and this this voice. Um, reenactment whatever you want to call it 
and uh, art creation. How long before there's a, a little app you can throw on your phone and push a couple of buttons, and next thing you know, you got one of your friends. You can make it sound like they're saying something. You can text it around the school, and next thing you know, they're getting mocked or bullied or, or kicked out of the school and for something they never did. So I don't know. It just those types of things are what go through my mind, because I think we're already having a hard time dealing with the 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 tension and the stress from social media. I can't get over. I, I don't know. I'm I'm old fashioned, but I cannot believe that kids are allowed to even have their phones in school, and they're 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 texting, they're recording fights, and everything's past. Everything's forever now. You get into a fight now, and the whole school can watch it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's humiliating sometimes, it's demeaning, and I think kids are having a really hard time dealing with the added stress of that in a school system. Right. Now, my kids are older now, and we homeschooled, so I never really went through that personally, but I, I hear stories and I see other people that I know their kids going through similar type situations, and it's already difficult enough as it is. And now you've got this other layer of technology where now these these kids are cruel. Man, these kids these days are so cruel. They can bully somebody, cyber bully, whatever. They can get things spread around the school system that, that aren't even real or true. And I just see nothing but but worry written all over this stuff. So that's my that's my concern, the ethical angle of this technology. I know it's a little different than just AI, but to me, it's all the same stuff. It's all a lot of the stuff's AI generated. These voices and these this art and these deep fakes. I, I saw a scene the other day from Old School, that movie with um, Will Ferrell. Right. And instead of Will Ferrell, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. And not only was it his face, it was his voice. And I'm like, I, I never would that to me that could have been him, and I never would have known. It looked that good. And that quickly, because think about when Rogue One came out and they did the CGI version of Carrie Fisher. Right. And you could kind of tell it was fake. Now I'm watching YouTube videos and I can't even tell they're fake. And as far as I know, it's just by an amateur doing it. So I don't know. It's just rapidly well, see, that, That's what I was saying um, with some of those deep fakes. I know uh, there were people out there doing deep fakes that ended up being hired by Hollywood because they were yeah. doing better deep fakes than... Um, I'm looking up deepfake. Deepfake technology has been developed by researchers at uh, academic institutions beginning in the 1990s and later amateurs online in online communities more recently um, has been adapted by the industry. Um, So basically start, it seems like the, the whole deepfake thing started around 1997. Um, But obviously, yeah, but obviously it's getting better. Well, think about when the Mandalorian, the scene with Luke Skywalker. Right. Well, uh, the difference two. between yeah, you haven't even seen the the next season and the. No, 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 no. Sh- I haven't seen anything yet. No, no, I know. <laughs> so, I'm not ruining anything. But what I'm saying is the difference between the Mandalorian when they showed Luke, and yeah, in Boba Fett when they showed a deep fake or whatever you want to call it is completely better. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember when that. It's, not, scene it's still came not out. perfect, but it was it was better. And the, the Boba Fett deep fake was better than the Mandalorian. Well, when that Mandalorian scene, that finale showed on season two, immediately people online were showing their own better version. They were. Of matter of fact, I think yeah, that's so. the story I was talking about. With somebody getting hired. Yeah. I think it was from one of those so. that they did a much better deep fake of Luke Skywalker than the one that was on. <laughs> 
It's like, damn. So, you know, there's, I guess, a, a neutral use of a deep fake. You know, it was done for entertaining purposes. It was all done with consent. But, I mean, you can do so much with that that is just dark and wrong. And that's what scares me is, is the um, ease of how this stuff can be used in an unethical way. Um, so, yeah, that that's where I stand with this stuff. It scares me. Not that I think robots are going to start taking over humans, although that is not as far-fetched as I used to think it was. I think it's more the ethical issues and how people can abuse this technology for nefarious reasons and for cruelty. So that's yep. what scares me about modern Well, AI. I, honestly, <laughs> so. if it was just kids getting bullied at school, that wouldn't worry me as much. I'm glad that you're on more on that um, macro level or micro level, whatever. I'm more in the – the. I'm worried about the bigger picture. I'm worried about somebody uh, setting off some nukes or – yeah, you know, or uh, scrapping everybody's savings accounts or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, destroying you know, the economy. Right. With a, yeah. I mean, they could you know, overnight they could just immediately delete everybody's bank accounts, and there's no record. How do you get the money back? Withdraw all Think the about, money. You know, like they could take all the money and send it overseas to China or whatever. You know, what yeah. could you do? You know what I mean? Think about all the things that we rely on that are internet based i mean even our cell phone if our everything is done if our so if, if the whatever runs our cell phones ever gets affected you wait and see everybody fall apart because i can't leave the house for three seconds without my phone and i'm like oh no i need to go back and that's just going to the know, store it's quite you know what i mean like, it's, it's I'm just quite like, pathetic and i'm gonna I'm be the same back way. in 10 minutes i don't i don't need the phone but i don't want to leave without it I can't go to the bathroom without my phone without feeling I'm missing something. Right. Everybody does it, so. And I consider myself fairly disciplined. I am not, you know, on my phone a lot, but I use it a lot for work, so it kind of feels like a, you know, part of what I have in my hand quite often. But I'm not one to sit there and, and look at my phone all day long. I, I, I'm, I try to be disciplined with that because I know it can be very detrimental and not healthy. But, um... These kids growing up today don't have that same discipline that our generation has because they're growing up with this stuff and it's part of their it's part of their life from from day one. And this is something new that entered our life as adults. So we can have a context, we can have a something that can we can go back to to keep us in check to know that some of this stuff can be unhealthy, but yeah. um, younger generations don't have that benefit like we have. So that that kind of is worry worrisome as well you there yeah i am i just you know I'm... okay <laughs> i thought the ai got you i, thought... I feel like we've done it <laughs> all right well i guess unless you have anything else to add or say i, I about... would think like, i do want to look into this deep fakery because if you're ever sick or something i can deep fake you Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, you, you can know, have or, a whole conversation with a with a fake version of me. No, fake nobody would know. No one would. <laughs> Maybe it would be better. <laughs> no. Maybe there'd be less stuttering and stammering. No, no, <laughs> so. no, no. It would. I'd probably add more to overcompensate. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it. Um, uh, anything else, Chris? No. I mean, we're just uh, we got our our. Uh, what do you say? Our script for the next episode. I think we got that kind of. We know what we're doing, right? Or, yes yes yeah so that's good and, uh, yep and uh i, I want to again urge our listeners to if if they want to get involved with the beat the bandy challenge again because 
um, Matt and I and Chris, I think, would much like if we had some more people involved to make the challenge a little more fun. And, you know, I still, you know, this this podcast isn't fully video game centric, but it is kind of at the core of how this podcast started and the community that we're in. So I, I want, do want to keep that alive in our in our. I know uh, Matt wants somebody and, to beat you. Is that what, is that I'm, what it is? I'm sure. I mean, we haven't talked about it, but I feel like I got to. I feel like I know Matt, and uh, he wants to see you go down a little more than you have. That's that's probably yeah. That's what's behind this push. And he's yeah, just sitting there see. biding his time till you come up with another Tetris style game so he can pull his ring or wife <laughs> yeah, exactly out of the, right out of the bullpen and send her in to take you out again. Well, I, the last couple of matches we had, we were we were very close when we played Switch yeah. and Shoot. I think we were neck and neck until like the last day. We talked about that well, before. The joust um, we had to have the, the we had to have the beat off. So. <laughs> you mean balloon fight? Oh, yeah. balloon fight! Yeah, well, they're yeah. basically the same. Maybe thing. we can have another one of those uh, streams, but in the near future. But Good old fashioned beat off. Yep. <laughs> well, again, this month is Kaboom. It's a great game. It's a simple game. Try to get the highest score and and post your uh, score on the Discord. Um, I, I'm talking to you, Eric, especially. I know it's your favorite Atari game. So. Yeah, Eric, you better step up, dude. Yeah. Exactly. Because I know you can probably, well, I don't know, but maybe you can beat beat me at Kaboom. Because I'm not a Kaboom, like, it's not my favorite game or anything. So. I kind of feel like it's going to be uh, one of those situations where he's just going to beat Matt. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Poor Matt. <laughs> yeah. I'm just joking, man. You're talking much. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Hi. I'm Caleb. Do you have a name? My name is Snoop Deal, motherfucking Double G. I'm pleased to meet you. So we need to break the ice. Do you know what I mean by that? Don't ask no dumbass questions. What do I mean? Don't give a fuck. Stop asking all these dumbass questions. So let's have a conversation. You can be happy I'm here and ask some real questions. Why don't we start with you telling me something about yourself? Man, shut the fuck up.